All right, welcome back to the Couch Command. Uh, with me today, I have uh, Isaac from Lobster Magnet Reviews. Lobster Magnet Reviews. Uh, hey, happy to be here. And I also have MJ. Good evening. <laughs> cool. All right, so we, we don't have like a specific movie we're going to do. We're going to be like an all-out geek out shootout and catch up on like news and like shows that have come and gone. And oh, we're saving the Rings of Power and versus uh, Lord of the Rings, the no, Rings of Power versus Drag House of the Dragon for the next episode. Mofo, I thought the focus was supposed to be Black Adam. I got my stupid discount teach discount uh, ticket, so we better damn well be. We are absolutely oh, yes. Yeah. That ties yeah. in with the other major news of the week with uh, James Gunn and all that whole malarkey. Which ties in with stuff that just happened recently with you know uh, Henry Cavill coming back. This is one of those uh, few times where. Uh, well, did you hear the, the the latest latest news that dropped two seconds ago? <laughs> um. So like yeah, the like Geralt thing. Yeah, we are all going in on. So like, we, do we want to start with the black end? We can end it, or do we want to go with what we just started talking about, which is Henry Cavill's back as Superman, and he's leveraging his star power to get his buddy back as the director Zack Snyder. Well, I, I think the, the focus should be let, let's go to Black Adam and then we can do like talk about other things that are going on as the kind there of like is. a wrap up because like I, I don't know it feels like there's so much relevant stuff about Black Adam mm-hmm. so so, so um, I guess which angle would you like to tackle at first the 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 news angle or the or, or the actual movie itself let's uh let's go around the table sing- yeah um, MJ what do you think of Black Adam. Um, it was fun. It's a, it ranked a solid Aquaman in the realm of superhero films. It actually is quite analogous to Aquaman. It was there. It was fun. It was big, bright, and loud. I didn't regret going to see it. Would I ever watch it again? Probably not. (laughs) Um, I was, I mean, Dwayne Johnson, he's like, I've been talking before him and Ryan Reynolds have just kind of hit this market saturation with me as they're just freaking everywhere and that's why originally i had no interest in seeing this movie whatsoever because like i'm the rock okay how many times again tweak that eyebrow before everybody just gives up on you man but he was solid it was fun uh i was quite impressed with how they brought uh hawkman to the screen with all this hodge he was awesome he was probably the biggest star of the entire movie and i really hope they make a solo movie for him and uh I, pierce brosnan yeah, was oh, i'm sorry go ahead I was just saying really quickly, uh, agreed on Alice Todd. That guy's fantastic performance. But keep going, please. Yeah, and the freaking and the way they did the armor for Hawkman, like yes, yes. I mean, yeah, echoes of uh, the nanotech Iron Man armor from uh, MCU. But who cares? It was awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pierce Brosnan's Doctor Fate. I was so happy they did a solid Doctor Fate. I mean, Pierce Brosnan. He didn't mail it in. That's the other thing I've worried about him with some of his performances the last few years. He just kind of like. Uh, whatever, I'm a legend. No, he was he was solid. So uh, the only thing that really marked down the movie for me was just how generic most of it was. It was like every trope of every superhero movie of the last 15 years. It was fun, but you could just play the Easter egg game of Hey, I've seen that before. Hey, I've seen that before. Oh, look, whirlwind of everything I've ever seen before. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Glad I didn't pay a lot for this movie. But uh, next, yeah, I mean. It would have been great if they would have given at least a little more depth to some of the background characters, even the other two members of the Justice Society that they had tagging along, the newbies. It's like, okay, they have a little playful banter back and forth between them. Yay, this is fun, but a little more depth to them, but 
Um, maybe we'll see him get another movie and he'll he'll have that chance to shine. But yeah, solid Aquaman for me. All right, Isaac. Uh, MJ, I think your thoughts definitely echo a lot of my own. Um, and it's really interesting to compare it to Aquaman because Aquaman is a movie. I would never call it a good movie, but one thing I loved about Aquaman is that how well it, it just threw everything in the kitchen sink to try and entertain you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it was not like a well-crafted movie, but like, you know, oh, uh, oh Aquaman uh, is going to fight against his uh, his half-brother, and, and there's going to be a little octopus that plays the drums, and, and Amber Heard's going to be in her big busty uh, jellyfish costume. And, and then Aquaman's going to go uh, to the desert and he's going to do some fucking Indiana Jones shit with some ancient temples. And then, uh, you know, we're going to get a huge, gigantic underwater war where Aquaman has to... where we see the crab people fight against Aquaman's brother. Uh, and then we're going to have a horror sequence where Aquaman has to fight against the fish people. It was just like... um Steesh. Yeah, it was just this wonderful pastiche of all these things I like. And oh, and, and then Aquaman's got to fight uh, the fucking Master Chief armor because <laughs> the Atlanteans have Master Chief armor. Uh, and, uh, and Black because, Manta, don't forget Black Manta. And Black Manta, who gets a mech suit in his own suiting up Iron Man ripoff scene. It was just so concentrated on just like providing as much entertaining set pieces that like I could forgive all the sort of genericness, the sort of weak performances, the lame villain motivations, just because it was like constantly throwing something new at you. And it was always at least fun to watch. Um, Black Adam, I would not say rate as highly as Aquaman. I, I think um, what was interesting uh, is The Rock trying to play an anti-hero, and I think there was a lot of great comedy mind uh, mm-hmm. uh, from it. Where basically, uh, you know, the fact that I kill people, and you know, just like tossing him. Uh, Did you kill that guy? No. He, and then he's uh, now he's gone. Now he's gone. <laughs> he didn't make it. Yeah, uh, I think like um, the Terminator Two setup is something yep. we haven't seen in a very long time. So the idea that like and the kid was like, ugh, he straddles that line between being obnoxious, but I think he's used the best when he's like, "Oh, cool! I got my own, you know, Middle Eastern superhero from my nondescript Middle Eastern country. Uh, isn't this amazing? I'm so happy to have Black Adam, uh, <laughs> even if he murders people. Uh, it, it's just he was Teth old. Adam though. He wasn't Black Adam until the very end because he needed to be rebranded." Per the kids' advice, <laughs> let's, not, let's not forget that they do that ending a lot. So, what would you call yourself? Oh, uh, what was with the foghorn intro every time he came into frame too? Every time he came flying through a wall, say using a door. I'm glad they finally did call him out on that later in the movie. But every time he showed up in the scene, like, oh god, is Hans Zimmer scoring this movie too? Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of that, which kind of like, but like because it played it lightly, like him just crashing through, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, walls, uh, was very funny. Um, The the T2 dynamic worked. Um, The Justice Society worked. But it's just dragged down by a lot of like, you know, superhero cliches, shit we've seen before. And then probably the greatest, one of the greatest sins of the DCEU, which is like the generic CGI villain who gets introduced in the third act just to give everyone to fight. Uh, You know, there's no villain worthwhile. um, You're going to introduce the last five minutes uh, uh, that's going to be like memorable. 
you know, I, so it's something I wish they would steer away from. Uh, but I guess the idea is that like Black Adam is the villain ostensibly or the anti-hero at first. So that's what drives the movie. And I guess you could argue that was the conflict to focus on. So maybe that was the smart decision. Uh, it feels like a mid-tier phase two Marvel movie. And it's mm-hmm. what's most interesting to me is it feels like probably the closest we've seen to the evolutionary bridge between whatever the DCEU becomes uh, versus what it's been before, where it's kind of been this hodgepodge of like, you know, these aren't your dad's superheroes or these aren't your little brother's superheroes. Superheroes fuck in our universe. This is dark and gritty, and we've got Joker and the Suicide Squad um, to like something that like still has a little bit of that edge, but uh, at the same token embraces the sort of lessons that Kevin Feige laid out in phases one through three. Oh, just wait until the Joker musical comes out. Just wait. <laughs> yeah. Though personally, I'm kind of looking forward to Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. I think that's going to be entertaining as hell. But yeah, just Joker the mm. musical is not something I'd ever thought I'd see in my lifetime. Ever. That combination <laughs> is going to make a lot of money, I think. Yeah, not bad for a movie. Everybody was kind of meh about the first one, even though it was critically lauded. Probably and the most Cap- critically lauded of all the DCU movies, or DC and movies they made yet. And also made all the money. I'm just thinking, like, if, if it has two wins in a row, like, that's like a gravity well of what DC, like, uh, uh, is this the universe we should be doing then? Which, no, no, do not try to make this the DC universe. Um, it, it's a fun Elseworlds. I mean, kind of, kind of touch yeah. on a concept you've hit before. I mean, it's kind of a fun Elseworlds where Joker is in this other world where Batman yep. isn't really a thing. And it's just his own crazy mixed up world. And, Hey, let's bring in a pop superstar to play your super your super singing girlfriend. Like, okay, just give Lady Gaga the big mallet, and I'll be happy. <laughs> I am curious to see if she has like a Brooklyn uh, accent, or if they're going to do something different uh, for her. Yeah, uh, has she ever done a full movie before? Yeah, she's done a few movies. What are you talking yeah. about? She was in that oh, uh, Star, Star is Born. That whole big deal of that movie was she was doing normal person cosplay <laughs> to oh. show that she could be an actress. That actually right. was a, she was actually pretty damn good in that movie. I was shocked. Of course, you know, she, she was tuned to play with Bradley Cooper in there, and yeah, they both played off each other very well. And she was in uh, the um, Gucci movie that came out last winter with uh, Adam Driver yeah. and Al Pacino. Nice. And, Ow. Yeah, it, and it was chops, that, that was a really Scott movie, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I heard it wasn't so good, but uh, you know she she's got some credits, so it's not like just a gimmick. Who's she's not like Rihanna in the Battleship movie. She's actually the only time I've seen uh, Lady Gaga was a, a cameo on that one like High School Musical TV show, Glee. That's the only I've, ever, uh, acting I've seen her do. But yeah, it looks like she's ready, and everybody loves her, and everybody liked that Joker. So, but my thoughts on Black Adam. All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, so, I, I think like when it comes to, like these kind of things, it's like uh, play time. Like, you know, what do you want to happen when you're playing Black Adam? And like, um, so like I, I was I was kind of ready for you guys saying all the cliches and like kind of like wondering. So, what else can you really do with this formula? And um, sure. for me, yeah, for me, like when you're doing this kind of formula. I'm okay if you're in the boundaries of like what I've seen before. Uh, Cause I do want to see the rise up. I want to see the conflict. I want to see the fights. Um, and like, yeah, I have to admit, I fully admit like not, not innovative whatsoever, but like, um, you know, from 
bringing my action figures over and we're going to have a good time. This is what it looks like and forms into. Um, I like the T2 uh, copy paste. <laughs> I actually enjoyed it here because um, I like uh, spunky skateboard kids. Uh, I was having fun with the kid like where he's like um, using his skateboard talents to dodge uh, bad guys like he's Marty McFly. He's like zip lining with him. Like as a little boy, I would have been like, oh man, that, I'm on the screen and I'm being useful. Um, so yeah, like I really much enjoyed it. And you're right. There's, I, I'm, I, if, if The Rock, if you wanted to listen to this, I'm so sorry. I won't watch that ever again. And yeah, that's kind of weird about how movies are lately. Like that was awesome. But like uh, Scorsese said, uh, I had a great uh, ride on the uh, was it like a a Disney park ride, amusement park. Yeah, yeah, it was an amusement park ride, and that yeah. was it. I like, yeah, I'm not gonna be going back, and <laughs> I can't imagine the the director commentary being that fun. Um, but yeah, I I, I hope I want this to be a huge win because yes, please Hollywood, just remember, just go back to making some fun shit again and grow from there. Just please stop spamming social justice and then threatening us if we don't want to watch it. Like that's why I liked it so much. Like, and and then also, and then like the last critique I would have on is, um, the color palette was muddy and nasty. But uh, I'm not exactly sure what I want them to do. Even like, I don't want it to be bubblegum pop uh, color explosion for Black Adam, but. Yeah, that was not the previous movie in the world, but I had so much fun. So yeah, the color palette was kind of muddled for most of it, except for the JSA. I thought you know, um, Cyclone. Yeah. I, I thought her outfit yes. was pretty cool, and she's added a nice splash of green on the screen every time she came in there. Well, but, um, gets, well the color palette kind of gets into like the, the sort of interesting politics of the movie. I mean, not that they're hmm. huge politics, but like you know, it's very Middle Eastern themed. It's like ah. how do we get as much Middle Eastern shit into this thing? without actually getting into any messy, messy Middle Eastern politics <laughs> that people can get us. So, all right, it's a fictional country, but, you know, it's an You're amalgamation right. of Iran, Iraq, uh, all these different places. We've got, like, the generic, you know, military, uh, you know, imperialist white guys, but the, the, who knows where they came from? They're, they're just generic bad guy soldiers, so, 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 so it's fine to kill them as much as yep. you want. <laughs> so, and, like, yeah, it's like the Mexico uh, color palette. That yeah. you know, you gotta know that you are there. So I, I, I can agree with you. Um, yeah, and also, this is also really quick. I want to say, okay, uh, really quick. I just want to say, um, and this is why, like, we're not doing a full review because there's not much to talk about. Like, it was fun. I was I had a great time, but like, we just can't really like pick it apart. So you do a few things, but you're right. I think the, just, the its place within the DC universe and all the news we're probably going to discuss is probably more interesting than the movie. Yeah, this is like one of those things I can understand why you'd love it. I'm not going to like come with knives like when you like say, oh man, Suicide Squad's pretty good. <laughs> I, I could, it's like a perfectly fine popcorn movie and it's got mm-hmm. like a lot of well-executed popcorn moments. Like, uh, you know, the gag of like, tell them that the black man in black sent you. Uh, <laughs> and he, he like throws them. Don't say that before you kill them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Don't no, not now. Yeah, that was fun. So, um, so I was talking about this movie with uh, another movie group I'm in, and one of the guys came up with a very salient point that I keep forgetting about these kind of movies is when you're watching superhero movies, don't expect Citizen Kane. Yeah, you know, drive yourself insane if you're expecting anything remotely like that. Like, yeah, okay, you're right. You're right. 
that that is true. But I guess like you know, when you're watching a superhero, you you want um, accomplished pulp. You, you want good mm. pulp and fun storytelling. You want strong character moments. Uh, you want well executed comedy. And you know the fact that I was like watching some clips of like audience reactions and like the people were going ape shit when he does like the final thing against the like the, the big villain. He says, "Tell them that the man of black sent you." <laughs> and it was it's a, like a legitimately well earned moment. Um, it, it's well you know well executed. It's well, well set up. And you know Black Adam is a competent popcorn movie, even if this is a character that nobody. I kind of really wish, though, that um, this was, like, more in the Shazam universe, uh, just because, like, I feel like that would... Him playing off Shazam's more fun than the idea of him facing off against Superman. Mm -hmm. To just, like, you know, this is the dark rock Superman. Uh, Just to me seems like the worst direction to kind of take in the character. And I guess, like, um, I mean, they did a decent job of, like... um, having black adam kind of be like an anti-hero but still like not having his edges be too much uh but i feel like if you had shazam you could like uh play his uh you know more villainous side which i think that would be fun uh to see him go up to head to head with uh, zachary levi in the million dollar shazam suit versus uh superman well originally Um, black adam was supposed to show up in shazam but then uh, Dwayne Johnson talked him out of it and said, "No, no, no! Please, just give me a whole movie. Give me a whole solo movie." And <laughs> oh, fuck that worked. Rock. Unless he yeah. paid his way through that, because he's—it seems like he's been paying for most of the promotion for this movie. I haven't seen a lot of direct advertising for this movie from WB, and given all the other crap that WB has been shoveling itself out of lately, I guess it's not hard to believe. Oh, but then my- you know, you know, Dwayne Johnson is a multi-million-dollar enterprise unto himself nowadays, so it's not like he can really squirm about having to spend that amount of money for it well if i had to guess uh, i don't have anything but my here's my gut Uh, i think like he probably had like a co-production deal where he gets like a huge percentage of the gross or whatever Mm -hmm. um and he's also has these like seven bucks uh you know social media production company so he basically has the you know media apparatus to like do like a kind of full blitz marketing campaign uh and have minimal costs versus like the typical hollywood where they have to spend like you know close to the film's budget to like sell the movie which is why uh you know which makes movies uh, so so expensive speaking of the wonder, budget oh, i have to wonder if vince mcmahon gets a co-producer or executive producer at credit on anything he does for the rest of his career because of <laughs> where would he be without where he started in the wwe so the the money though, unfortunately, whoosh! Black Adam, Black Adam ate it. The budget was two hundred million, and worldwide they've made one sixty six back. So ah, uh, well, I forget. Is this the second weekend? Um, yes, second weekend. Yeah. So I guess and, that's the real thing. Is it like will it have legs as it opens into more territories? Because I thought it was considered to be a success. I thought it had a strong opening uh, for what was considered to be a new property. Uh, it was the strongest opening of the Rock's career. And I guess hmm. the real question is like, like I, I feel like the question is, um, will it what? Not Sparkling le- King? What? <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't seen that. Will really? <laughs> really? so bad. Even <laughs> even back then, as much as cheese I love, I was like, Ugh, no, no, thank you. Not that. Yeah. Mark that one. Come back to it later, man. You need to, yeah. Yeah. We need to talk I, about I will. that. One. I'm, I'm very anyway, curious about it. 
Yeah. Sorry, Isaac, didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. No, no, sorry. Uh, what you called? I was just reminiscing on the Scorpion King and how much I love the original <laughs> Brendan Fraser money, mummy and yes. uh, how much that movie kind of sucked. <laughs> Out of all the schlock you like, Keith, I can't believe you avoided the, <laughs> the Scorpion King. I think it's maybe a partially like uh, I hadn't warmed to the rock yet. And like every time I see a clip of it, it just looks so nasty. Oh, the CGI is terrible. It is yeah. also all awful. And like, and also with me, I don't care about special effects. But you're right; like the special, they went too far with how bad it is. Like, I'm like, ah, okay. But yeah, I'm curious about it. Like, it can't be that bad. Well, well, so- it had 2021 scale CGI with 2001 CGI effects. So put those two together. But I want I want Black Adam to be a success. I really do. I want more movies like this and to grow like this. And that, yeah, their box office is bad. Uh, this is, I, I can I can see that making killing overseas. I think that one's as it opens up more overseas, it's gonna make its money and more back. Because um, I, 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 I don't know international already. It's only seventy five. Yeah, all million. the art, all the money. Unless though? I'm not, I'm not sure. I had to look. Yeah, I it's hope got, not. It's got two to three weeks before uh, you know Wakanda forever. Then that'll just like you know kind of punch the wind out of it. Uh, so I think this weekend will be very interesting. I think like limp its way to like. Um, you know, 500 or 600 million, I think it'll be considered to be a success. Mm-hmm. If it just stays like 300, 400, then it'll be considered yeah. to be a disappointment. I don't see it getting past. Oh, yeah, it's struggling to get to. Yeah, it's, it's struggling to get to the 200. And then you also have to factor in their marketing, which usually is supposed to be like double. So, uh, yeah, I hope they don't see this as a loss, which it is. And uh, yeah, I, yeah. My fingers are crossed for it, but uh, I don't know. Like that was anyway. So uh, yeah, and then they introduced Superman at the end because like, and like I, I want more of that. But like, yeah, I, I hope that uh, this doesn't hurt the future of DC. Well, is it just me, or does it feel like Amanda Waller is um, like the uh, kind of, yeah, the, the yeah. unintentional Nick Fury of the DC universe? Uh, yep and it doesn't make sense and like i keep on giving them i give dc so many passes so hard so often uh i know i'm very unfair i'm not sure why because like i love the original supergirl but like yeah um hey amanda you get to tell superman where to go aren't you a big what's okay i'll let it go i'll let it go again i'm letting go of a lot that's what happens when you get viola davis player me and viola davis is awesome yeah why would it be but how can we put her in more things here, here, be our Nick Fury. They need to, once again, slow down, figure out your world, and then execute. Just, But they're just, like, spamming so much. Again. Oh, there's a Justice Society? All right, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm in for that, too, but I am, once again, making a pass for you guys. I did groan pretty heartily that the Justice Society has their own fucking mansion and X-Men, like, fucking yeah. rock. <laughs> it's like, Jesus fucking Christ! Like, like- I hate long-necked <laughs> Airplanes. Stop making long neck airplanes. Spoken X-Men. like someone who's never been a fan of the SR-71, because that's what they're all... Well, that's what the uh, black... I'm exactly from. not a fan of the SR-71. I'm like, as yeah. a kid, I've been like a, of a jet fan, and... I mean, even, I, even Elon Musk named his kid after the prototype of that airplane. Come on, man. Uh, yeah, I, I like the, uh, the... What was it? The retired, like, the, the flying wing. Like, I like I like my uh, jets and, and spaceships with some bulk, not some slink. There you go. 
I, I, I wouldn't like. Uh, I I don't have the hate boner that you guys have for that design, but um, <laughs> I, love that bird. I, I love that bird. Just me, just me, just me. I, I will say that, like, just like I, I, there's something from the comics he could have drawn instead of just like you know, ah, let's let's throw in the Avengers Mansion and the the, the X Men Mansion and the X Men. That just kind of felt like the height of laziness. <laughs> to, to On, uh, another height of laziness, man. I'm so sorry, Black Adam. All right, I'm going to do this to you again. But the heroes don't kill thing. Uh, dude, no one's been doing that ever. Like, even Christopher Reeve and Michael Keaton killed. And I get what you're doing. I'll go along with it. But, again, I'm making a pass for you. Because, like, I did like the dynamic of uh, Hawk trying to be good and, like, you know, do the old school comic book version of not killing bad guys and, like, the, the frustration. And the, seeing him, like, do the saves are fun. But you guys, they're not doing like uh, like world building consistency. Uh, so once again, another pass for you, Black Adam. But tighten that up. <laughs> it is the world building has not been the forefront of the DCEU uh, for a long time. It's just sort of like <laughs> this, how, do we, how do we copy Marvel and how do we continue to keep on course correcting for which every other movie and every other project. Uh, <laughs> And I don't. I really want them to do different than Marvel, but people hate it when they go different than Marvel. Oh, also, one thing I I really want them to just die uh, is like stop doing like music video segments and needle drops in your fucking movies, such as Uh, the the painted black scene where Black Adam's first introduced. Oh, uh, the so like when he's zipping around and and and, and punching people and killing, yeah, them? and then then they they play the the, the what you call it the paint of black song from like is that Rolling Stones or I forget who who oh. does. I yeah, my brain zapped out the music and like tried to follow the the choreography of the action, but I definitely get what you're saying. I just think it's the laziest trope to try and like get that dopamine hit and be like, you know, uh, hey, you love this song. Ooh, mm-hmm. you have your association with this. I feel like James Gunn is the only one who's uh, who's able to like successfully pull it off without it feeling like super cringy because uh, he puts a little bit more thought into and he chooses yeah. like, um, you know, he B-sides. doesn't go for yeah B sides. He, he gets I the like songs that you. He wouldn't get the song that you'd expect, and he'd find something. He does the Tarantino approach. He looks through the dustbins of history, finds something cool, and uses his platform to elevate it. Uh, let's see. So, what other points, important points in Black Adam, should we be addressing? Fonz showed up. That was great. <laughs> well, who showed up? The Fonz. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I, I did a little clap to myself. Yay! I love the fancy. Henry Winkler. Uh, yay! Yeah, that seemed like uh, who did I know play? who you call. What was that? Who did he play? I I completely missed it. Uh, he was Adam Smasher's uncle who showed up on the cell phone saying, "Did you get the suit? Does the suit fit?" Uh, oh, I uh, I uh, that that cameo completely flew over my head. Adam yeah, Smasher, who is going to be He Man? If you guys know about that one. Uh, no. So, like, uh, there was, like, a big push. Uh, Netflix was like, this is happening, this is happening, and we got this guy, Adam Smasher. He's going to be He-Man. And I can tell, like, Hollywood really wants to make him a star. He keeps on showing up in, like, so many things and put uh, forward, and he is super likable, and I do think he has potential. Um, And, yeah, that's why he's here, because Hollywood really likes this guy, and they really want him to be something but he was almost he man for uh, a long time until 
Noah Centino. Mm-hmm. I loved him in uh, was it the 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 Groundhog Day in college movie? You ever see that? Mm-hmm. Oh shoot! Um, Happy Death Day. Oh, I never saw that one. Yes, Happy Death Day, and then there's the second one, Happy Death Day to you, because uh, it's to university. Anyway, it's so good oh, and that's, hilarious. It's interesting. Uh, oh, that's funny about Happy Death Day. Uh, what should we call it? This guy I knew, uh, his, his sister's in um, uh, Happy Death Day. Uh, she's like the, the roommate. Damn, cool. Yeah, that was, yeah, I highly recommend it. Written by uh, my favorite 90s comic book writer, Scott Lobdell. Who did uh, Run of the X Men that I was just in love with? That was Lobdell. Really? Yes. What? Weirdly enough, out of nowhere, I remember I was, I was like, wait, what the? F- wait, wait, he's there? Just out of nowhere, he the, came back. That's not the same guy. Uh, it is. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at his IMDb right now. Mm-hmm. Or not, uh, well, those are the, not IMDb, but uh, wiki. Wiki, wiki. Wiki, wiki, wiki. Yeah, he did. X Men Generation X and Happy Death Day. Oh, interesting. Oh, we'll see if his uh, station rises. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't have anything. Na- uh, you know, he was obviously meant to be like kind of like the Flash, or you know, just the young, mm-hmm. excitable guy who's like happy to be there. Um, <laughs> you know, which wasn't anything wrong with his performance, but you know, he just didn't really have much to distinguish himself uh, or his power set from Ant Man and other things we've yeah. seen. Um, he was sidekick as hell. <laughs> uh, but you were ultimately happy with how they handled Hawkman because I know you, you, Keith wants that strong oh, uh, Black Heroes. Yeah, Black Heroes. Yeah, Black Heroes. Um, fantastic. Uh, okay, for when it comes to like, yeah, when it comes to a representation, I'm, I'm pretty like frustrated with the future on what happened to Black Heroes. And here, them pretty much all great, uh, and including so like. Uh, Whenever, like, you see a black hero on the screen, like, uh, for, like, all my life and, like, my father's life, uh, they, we always, like, wait for that moment where, like, okay, here we go. When, when's the part where we, he gets totally stomped out? And um, the moment happened, it was a fake out. And I was like, oh, thank you. And, like, yeah, he's like, I learned this from a friend. And all of a sudden, he, like, becomes mini guys. And I was like, thank you, guys. I was, I was right. I very much appreciate them not uh, trashing him. But I will agree with, uh, call me the Chato on uh, YouTube. He's oh yeah, not that big of a star yet. <laughs> I want him to be, but I could tell like he he doesn't pull his own movie. But I hope he keeps like uh, keeps getting better. I hope I, I I wanted Hollywood to keep giving me a try because uh, I did like his feel and like uh, he'd be very welcome in uh, Black Panther because I, I want Hodge. No, he's been in plenty of stuff, man. I want T'Challa back anyway. You think yeah. there's a chance? Well, I'm always curious to see if Marvel will eventually do the multiverse thing to like cast another T'Challa without any uh, one complaining. And I feel like that's the best way to do it. But uh, it's hard. He would be. Well, you know what the real big stunt casting would be if they just brought in Michael B. Jordan as an alternate universe uh, T'Challa. Yeah. Uh, the, the biggest problem is like um, the 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 cat that cast and crew is like friends and family together each other now, and like they're really hurt. That they lost T'Challa or um, Chadwick. Uh, there you go, Chadwick Boseman. Um, yeah, they're all hurt, and they don't want someone to walk in and pretend they're that he's him. So that's the biggest problem with getting a new Black Panther. That's T'Challa. So I'm not sure if that will ever happen. 
Uh, well, well, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but mm-hmm. let, let's get into the really interesting thing: all the news and developments about the DCU. Yes. Is this a new era? Is this a, the end of a failed era? <laughs> uh, uh, James Gunn is taking control of DC. Woo! That is, it's my dream. It's what I want, and I can't tell because that uh, his last uh, he, he got to make all the calls on that uh, Suicide Squad. Yeah. And it didn't make money. Like, I'm pretty sure that was a failure, right? Uh, well, that was at hard. the height of COVID, and they mm-hmm. released at the same time streaming. I mean, it was that kind of swept their own legs on that one. Yeah, but, it, um, it's hard to say if it was a success or a failure because supposedly mm-hmm. it was like the most successful movie launch at the time on uh, what you call it, uh, HBO Max. HBO Max. Yeah. But you know they don't release the numbers, so we we can't really. But I guess the fact that they keep on giving him money, you know, to do uh, Peacemaker, and uh, you know now they want him to be the head of DC shows that they 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 must be happy in whatever metrics of success they needed. Uh, they got it from him. Uh, so I guess uh, we should consider it successful, even though technically it's a box office bomb. And I think I remember like, uh, once guardians of the galaxy, and especially after guardians of the galaxy two, like that was a tectonic shift of how Marvel movies end up looking and, and behaving afterwards. So he is kind of like the second father of MCU on like making it a successful thing that people want to go to and look at. So he is the man. I, I, I just hope he can do that in DC. Speaking of James Gunn, oh, do you, what do you think of the Ant-Man trailer of the Quantum Mania? Since it seemed to be ripping uh, so much off from the uh, uh, the James Gunn uh, book of Guardians. I'm I'm I, I apologize to them. I'm struggling very hard. Like uh, <laughs> it, like it's not their fault anymore. Like I'm getting oversaturated with this stuff. Uh, I can't get excited every fucking time. Like, it's every month. I I cannot believe it. Like, I actually thought the trailer was really good, but then again, Mm -hmm. I have, like, such a low opinion of the Ant-Man movies to, like, just, like, you know, throw everything in the kitchen sink and say, all right, this is just a new cosmic universe. They're going to go to new space things. There's going to be a a guy with a a fucking light bulb on his head and all these cool things, and, oh, look at it. Yes. I I thought this was like, oh, the Keith is going to love this shit. You're you're right, you're right. Um, I should, but uh, I I have to wait until, I mean, I'm obviously I'm definitely going to see it. I'm not going to skip it. But the thing that I was seeing in the background was like, yeah, I love all this. Wait a second. Are you guys really going to like there's I'm not sure how it's done, but there's a way of like seeing all this stuff in the background and making it feel like a world that works and you're walking through it. Then there's also like background like uh, sci-fi spam. And I I don't know which one they're going to do once we get there. Uh, So like everything they're doing is like quite creative and fun, like new universe. We don't know what's going to be inside it. It's just that, like, um, yeah, with the, uh, I think um, Kenobi was the last straw on, <laughs> like, yeah, Kenobi hit so hard, like with uh, um, Kenobi's coming. If you racists don't like it, you guys hate shit. I'm like, oh god, stop doing that. And then it was horrible. So then, like, now it's like it almost seems like every month, every week, there's like a new thing. And man's coming out. Oh yeah, and also we got Andor coming out. Oh yeah, and we got what kind of? I'm like, all right, hey, <laughs> you've been burned yeah. so many that you you can't trust them anymore. They they've lost it. It's become the Kathleen Kennedy or the Mar- MCU <laughs> uh, fire hose of content. Yes, and like, it, and it's hurt so much that like, um, even when it's good, it's kind of like <sighs> I kind of need a break. Please. Yeah, like like, uh, like Andor is legit. Um. But I can't get excited to watch it. 
I hear good yeah, things about. Yeah, too bad the- they didn't give the. Yeah, it's too bad they didn't give a uh, book of Boba Fett and Kenobi the same care that they're oh. obviously giving on Andor. And <laughs> while- book of Boba Fett and Kenobi were the quality of Andor, I think everything would be pretty different. Well. It might be pretty different right now, but once again, I think it's the frequency that's really starting to, like, uh, it, it, it's hitting so much, so much that I, I just want to go play someplace else now. <laughs> like, I am so worn out from, like, uh, bad Star Wars or even good uh, from the same channel and whatever that I'm now reading books again, which was a hobby that, like, hasn't been with me for a long time. Oh, I'm so d- in need of new that, yeah, books. <laughs> That that's a great like advertisement. Like I'm going back to literature, bitches. <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a there's, there's also like um, a fun quote from a friend who mentioned that like also like uh, the the world and entertainment landscape has gotten more feminized. Uh, there's like n- constant uh, female replacements. Um, that like or there's like a, a friend of mine who's like, yeah, I don't have a problem with that, but like. I've actually started watching football again, just so I can see guys do things again. <laughs> well, like, yeah, wow. he actually went back to football because <laughs> he's like, I just, I really want to see guys do stuff. It's I a- wouldn't go to football for that if I were him, but okay. Uh, not well, me, but he's multimillionaire back- smacking the crap of each other playing a kid's game. <laughs> yeah. That's masculine as hell. Way to go, man. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Cause like, I feel like the whole, you know, feminization of nerd and uh, geek cultures, because like this stuff is so dumb. There's two, there's two uh, forces fighting it out. There's mm-hmm. the fact that, um, uh, nerd culture is supreme. All this genre entertainment is the top of the world. People are making so much goddamn money. Um, mm-hmm. We're eventually going to talk about. Uh, I can't wait to talk about House of the Dragon. We're probably going to spend three hours talking about that. The yeah, minimum. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be so good. Uh, and that's the stuff that like is getting greenlit. That's getting made. There's also this push that like um. You know, we need to get more people uh, represented behind the camera. We need to get these women in the writer's room. We need to, like, get these people jobs. And uh, so then you kind of have the match made in hell where it's, like, women who don't necessarily like this stuff who are kind of, like, getting these jobs and positions. And then you kind of, like, get stuff like uh, She-Hulk. The Witcher, I think I heard (laughs) recently. is like, yeah, like, uh, like a main writer from The Witcher was like, I don't want to do this. Like, the people there don't like The Witcher. Did well, you guys hear about this? Oh yeah, yeah, I heard about that. But like, the, the, nobody yeah. who works on The Witcher actually likes the character, the video games, and the thing. <laughs> and it's like, uh, uh. No, I like, and like, what's funny is like, I, I would have agreed to everything that put us here, and because like, like I was thinking, like, uh, like I, I agreed with everything Captain Kennedy decided up to the point until I finally saw Last Jedi. I was like, okay, maybe she's not the best one for the job. <laughs> Um, but she yeah, had like track record up until that point, you gotta go Oh my god, she's one of the greatest of all time. Uh, so, but yeah, like, um, I, the, the problem I keep on seeing is like, all right, I want to do an Obi Wan Kenobi show, okay, but you also have to have, make sure there's female representation and, and it's gotta be very strong. And then, like, therefore, like, everything about Obi Wan Kenobi has to bend toward that instead of focusing on him as a character, his world, and interesting a story around him. Because you have to take gigantic chunks away from his time to make sure that we balance out representation. And you're like, okay, guys, I don't want you to do it. Like, I want you to just do a good story and just allow anyone to be in it, please. But it's like too many corporate rules on on them. And God bless <laughs> them. I'm glad they're trying because I don't want them not to try. But because they're trying so hard, 
it's taking away from like the heart of stories. Yeah. Sorry, what were you to say? Or did you cut out? Oh no! I, I'm sorry. I, I, I was. Uh, I, I heard MJ. Uh, it seemed like he wanted to say something while I was speaking. I was like, I was gonna ask, uh, what did you, what do you think about that, MJ? Uh, I was gonna say, did you guys ever watch that two-hour edit of Kenobi? It took the no. entire series and edited it down to a two and a half-hour movie. Nope. And was was there any good? Give, give that a try sometimes, because that's that's the thing that's most infuriating about most of this content they're so busy about padding it and getting it out <laughs> to the maximum runtime possible where mm-hmm. you just cut the fat off there are decent stories somewhere in all this muck there are decent presentations in there something like Kenobi that a lot of it was just too forced to really call good but three quarters of even that two and a half hour edit it's mm-hmm. like yeah this is good this is cool why didn't they just stick with the original movie concept that they were talking about? But no, let's expand out to a six-episode series with everybody pissing and moaning about whatever happens in it from week to week. You guys are just creating more social media fodder. It's well, just ridiculous. Well, I did see an interesting edit of like the Princess Leia scene um, of the Kenobi, and they actually did like a good job of like making it feel like a fearful scene where she just like encounters the creepy guys and they put a hood over her head. And I was like, oh, what? Yep. Oh, this, this scene actually works versus the Disney chase we had before. Yep, that was from the two-and-a-half-hour edit that they just shortened that whole slapstick comedy Benny Hill crap down to about <laughs> a minute-and-a-half sequence instead of the seven minutes or whatever the hell it was originally of them walk, running around, running face-first on each other, stepping on a rake or something. Just I, cut, my, I cut myself every time I think of baby Leia. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't yeah. mind that. I didn't mind that. Um, it's like one of the other videos that you pointed out at first, Keith, about mm-hmm. some of the issues with Kenobi. They smoked out um, Organa. I mean, how can you? How could the Empire not have had him marked and following him the entire time and sold out the ent- entire rebellion way before they ever became the actual threat to the Empire when they, when Reva um, smoked him out? That just. Damn irritates me <laughs> yeah i it just and like also to me like i couldn't help but like i'm I, I hate how much they keep not using luke skywalker at all like <laughs> like they're, they're like you know like uh when it comes to this era like you want to think of like so yeah what was what kind of like you know distance relationship they have with luke and and what will they oh luke will be just as cast as an extra don't worry about that baby leia like no i never wanted to see that please and now it's the kid adventures of Baby Leia and Riva with uh, guest starring Obi Wan Kenobi, starring. and just like, what, dude, what? Yeah, so like now I'm just going back to like I'm watching '80s anime and having a great time. I'm going back to '80s live action Japan Japanese and comic books. So like, yeah, like all this stuff is just wearing me out with how hard they're trying to. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate they're trying to do diversity and inclusion. It's just like they're militant about it. It's not fun. It's not organic. It's not yeah, it doesn't, actually inclusive, even. Yeah, it's, it's just usually doesn't really serve the story they're telling. It's just sort of mm-hmm. like, let's get us this. Well, but you brings us it, back to the main topic of this, uh, because Black Adam, on a surface mm-hmm. level, is very diverse. There's only one white yep. guy. Everyone else is a people of... Because uh, the, the, the discourse was really interesting to see everyone, like, I guess people want to hate on The Rock, and that's the reason why I got, oh, yeah. I got thrashed by critics. But uh, I was surprised not to see any of the, um, you know, leftist t- Twitter intelligentsia praising Black Adam. Uh, because ostensibly, this is all the things that they want 
Um, how much I, 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 I'll sound, I will definitely sound conspiracy theory and I don't mean it, but, uh, yeah, the way the, uh, the quote unquote establishment of re- reviewers and critics hate it. Like I, I can't, I can't help but give it the side eye. Like it looks like there's a purpose behind it. Like they want to make sure this doesn't succeed no matter what, like some, like the re- bad reviews I've seen, like just way too over the top and way too hateful of it, like, and way too dismissive, as if, like, there's, like, a ulterior point, or also uh, uh, tribalism they can't help but do, like, I asked my friends to come with me to um, Black Adam, and, like, one of them just definitely said, I don't watch DC movies. I'm like, oh? It's a movie? <laughs> it's a movie! Like, are we deciding sides on movies? Not, but yeah, he's like, if it's if it's not Marvel, I just don't care. Like, oh, that's maybe how the world's just being lately for some reason. Well, uh, to his credit, the DC has kind of been a little a little bit of a roving sure. clusterfuck. Uh, it's a little bit better, but it's still very. Uh, and that's what I'm kind of. Oh, the one thing I, I I'm kind of like annoyed about the Snyder Bros. How they're like, oh, they got a pedophile in. Screw you, you little wannabe edge lord fucks. Who pedo what? You never you haven't seen any of this, like any of the, the no. Snyder people complaining about James Gunn being put at the head of the DC. Oh, I haven't seen that complaint. No, they're doing that now. <laughs> yeah, it's out there, and it, it, it pisses me off so much. Can, can I can I just get like a three minute rant, little angry rant here? Please, fire away. Okay, okay. So you guys are the pinnacle of hypocrisy. I cannot believe <laughs> it. You are a bunch of fucking edge lords who are like, you know, creaming your stupid pants about like he, you know, fucking Jared Leto Joker, you know, telling, oh, I'm going to give you a reach around, Batman. <laughs> mm. And James Gunn, a guy who literally cut his teeth making edgy fucking jokes, the kind of shit that you all love, mm-hmm. but yet, you, you know, the right wing is this stupid, like, oh, we, we gotta save the children. We love the children. Oh, let, let, get, kill all the pedals. Rah, the Democrats and the leftists are the, the groomer rings. Shut up! You you all vote for policies that fuck over children. You don't give a shit about them unless it's a forced pregnancy. And you have this guy who's legitimately talented, who's absolutely fantastic, and you're gonna complain, oh, he made edgy pedo jokes? Fuck you! I know you were, I knew you were back in 2011 on Newgrounds looking at, like, weird pedo jokes about <laughs> Harry Potter and like Snape and thinking that was the funniest shit. Do not wear this sanctimonious bullshit that like, oh, I can't believe it's being taken away from Zack Snyder. You, James uh, Gunn is not a pedophile. Pedophile jokes are funny for edgy comedy. I know you watch South Park. I know you watch the Nambla. Do not take this virtue signaling bullshit with me. Ah, please. Okay, yeah, I want, please, please tag me on this. I want to see this. Like I yeah I've been seeing and also that was, was like, glorious and then like yeah you you real I was like uh, you I was I had the question wait why do they give a fuck, uh, give a fuck but you're saying that they feel like uh, he's taking it away from Zack Snyder that's the sentiment that like he's the wrong guy oh my god he's the part of the pot of pedophile ring he made pedo jokes at uh, uh, I, I still I'm still angry about the fact that yeah. he got fired from Marvel from Me like too. stupid bullshit when he did everything he played every single card. 
Uh, and, and that's what got him hired. You know, back when Marvel was good and they took chances on people as opposed to hiring, you know, diversity quotas. And not that diversity is inherently bad, but like when you got a documentary filmmaker who clearly does not, you know, give a shit about <laughs> Blade and the Blade movie falls through, then maybe you should look back to what you were doing a few years past and why James Gunn worked. True facts. And now, um, the thing we were talking about before. Do we think Zach's coming back? No. Because, uh... yeah, like, okay, it's like, so uh, it's weird now. Like, whoa, Harry Campbell's make, making chess moves. Um, Where, like, woo, official, Harry Campbell's coming back. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, and I can't wait to have my best friend Zack Snyder with me. And I'm like, whoa, 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 dude. Uh, All right. Um. I think it's like maybe it's just, maybe that maybe that's just in the fallout of you know Gunn and Saffron replacing Hamada because nobody what shed a tear for Hamada being kicked out finally. <laughs> he was never great, didn't he? Also, I still can't believe he didn't get kicked out for that like uh, sexual harassment. Well, not harassment, where he was basically sleeping with some young actress and he oh, he promised to give her roles oh, like the no. ultimate. You never heard about that, Hamada? No. no, nope, I didn't. Walter, what are you thinking, dude? if it was Walter Hamada or the guy before him. I feel like it was Walter Hamada. I might have gotten it wrong. It might have been another Japanese Warner Brother executive, but there was one mm-hmm. who famously got like into this huge scandal where he was basically like sleeping with an actress and she wanted roles and he got her auditions, but she couldn't get anything. And he says like, you know, uh, she like sent texts and he says, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeesh. <laughs> it was, um, I don't know if it was him though. Uh, so wait, why we don't like? Why don't we like Walter Amato? Because I remember like his biggest win, and I thought like the maybe, Justice like, League uh, uh, fiasco, I, the whole okay. Justice League fiasco. Because Ray Fisher, as soon as Hamada oh. announced that he's leaving, Ray Fisher went out there and said, "Bye, don't let the door kick in the ass on the way out, ass." Damn, God yeah, the damn. whole the whole Justice League mess with them replacing Snyder with Joss Whedon and the whole mess with Whedon and Jeff Johns terrorizing that set and all the decisions they made for that cut and just... Because he had that big win of Aquaman, which I thought like locked him in. But nope. Well, let's, let's just give that one to James Wan if we're going to be honest <laughs> about it. But um, Was James Wan working his magic? Yeah, yeah, definitely James Wan, but like, um, Walter Mato was like the... I thought he was like the like the, the showrunner who who brought it all to yeah like i thought that was his like guys just so you know i did aquaman you can't fire me i'm the aquaman guy oh. but he well he was in charge when he had brought snyder on and they did one they got mm. wonder woman was ahead aquaman was ahead and like yeah it's not entirely awful <laughs> hey i don't think but, that they were like happy about like um how it uh you know the snyder cut went down i think they were kind of mm-hmm. bullied into it and uh, you know they gave into it but i feel like they kind of like left a bad taste in their mouth mm. uh, um, take a look at the discord and, here's all my you know evidence of people that it's not just me this is a thing and also uh and it sounds like you both are, and scary place it sounds like you both all think also think that uh snyder's not going to be coming back for um 
Superman. I, I think his, his, the bridge has been too thoroughly burned, and I also don't think he's the right man for it. Um, did you, did, by mm-hmm. any chance, did you see the Patrick H. Williams uh, video he did on Snyder? Yes. I thought it yes, was, I did. Oh, it was a really good video. Um, yes, it was. I, I, I watched it with my, my, my fist balled the entire time. I'm like, oh, don't, don't you dare. And he, he, he was totally on the level. He did a great job. He, he did a great job. I, I like Patrick H. Williams. I think he does a great job. And he, the best part is that he's a you know left leaning guy who like evaluates the work on its own merits without like evaluating it by like a uh, you know a political framework. So his Star Wars videos are his the, some of the worst I've ever seen <laughs> and his worst that he's ever done. And almost made me like not want to watch his videos anymore. But like then like he started not talking about Star Wars. Like oh wait. He's still good. That, so, that was yeah. the example of him, like you know, kind of leaning into like the leftist narrative and whatnot, and doing the popular thing. Yeah. But um, hey, yeah. What's, what's the uh, what's the guy's name? Patrick H. Patrick Williams. H. Willems. Okay. But uh, the video is really good, and I think he gets to the core of the, like Zack Snyder likes larger than life characters, bombastic heroes, and I, I think he just needs to find a writer who can like, uh, f- who produces stuff that like fits his visual yeah, motif. Yeah, I um, I, I I do agree that uh, I love Zack Snyder, and I don't want him back for Superman. Um, because like I think he's at his best when he's doing his own thing, and he's got his Rebel Moon coming. I really want that to be his like Star Wars moment where he gets to have his own universe where he can maybe even recreate the stories that he wanted to do for Superman there, and just go buck wild. Because I do like his weird ideas and stories that he wanted to do as Man of Steel. Yeah, and I'd be okay with it if he could if they would section it off into like an Elseworld place and just go crazy, Zach. But like nobody else wants that but me. Like the world does not want. So that's why they're going to bring in Christopher McQuarrie, and he's going to bring Tom Cruise with. They're going to make it Superman Mission Impossible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm um, there's there's a treatment out there for like a uh, Superman uh, like All Star Superman done by. Um, Matthew Vaughn, who did Stardust and lots of other stuff. Uh, that that would be, be that would be really. Yeah. Matthew Vaughn is like a really underrated like writer director. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he could probably like get to the core of the character. Uh, you know, he saved X Men single handedly. So I, I would, yes. um, you know, with First Class. So he's like a name that I think could handle Superman. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the, he's the top of the, the mountain of like if they say. Matthew Vaughn, everything's gonna be okay. I'm gonna get like the great Superman that everybody wants. But like, uh, it's interesting. Like when I see um, movies, uh, it seems like there's like there's a there's a close family thing going on there versus like the right person for the job. There you go. So like, uh, yeah, like Henry Henry Cavill's all out, and everyone's going to notice if and like um. So he's like, he makes a video like, please, uh, my buddy Zack Snyder, we need to keep going. And then Zack Snyder is replying. So it's going to be gigantically noticeable if Warner Brothers go, and not Zack Snyder, but <laughs> yeah, that's going to be awkward when that goes down. Uh, it would that. be interesting, like, but I, I feel like, uh, I mean, all right, here, here, it's a half, glass half empty, glass half full. The glass half full is David Zasloff does not give a shit about identity politics. He just wants yes. something that will make money. And it's funny, he's like, you know, probably the, the ultimate nightmare for the artists, uh, but like people on the, the Chudiverse are kind of like cheering him just because he's like the anti-woke crusader who's like, you know, mm-hmm. bringing shit 
banning all these like shows to the shadow realm. Um, so that might be he just won't give a shit about what the publicity is and just bring Zack Snyder back um, just to like lean into it. That's the glass half full argument. Uh, the glass half empty is just Zack Snyder is like Tim Burton. The DC years were some of the most strenuous, uh, most emotionally draining. Uh, you know, it's associated with the death of his daughter. Um, and, and like after all that, like Tim Burton said, like, I- I'm never working with Disney again. Uh, I- I'm done with this. Uh, I'm going to go make my, you know, Harry Potter, goth Harry Potter uh, for-, for Netflix with that Wednesday. Wait, Adam I-, show. I saw that. What happened with Tim Burton that he does? What do you do with uh what was the last draw? What, what did he work on with Disney? Uh, he did that Dumbo remake. <laughs> the, oh, the Dumbo yeah. live action. That nobody gave a shit about. Oh, shit. All right. And uh, he, yeah, I, oh, he just ha- hasn't had a good experience in a long time. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm rich enough that I can uh, choose what work I want to turn down. And uh, I'm probably done with Disney. Yeah, because he did Dumbo and he did both of the Alice in Wonderland remakes, too, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, yep. th- those two, and he's like, I- I'm not dealing with Disney anymore. Uh, so yeah, I- I've been hearing more and more news about like artists and creatives being like, nope, nope, please God, no, <laughs> not that again. Like James Gunn, I think. All- Wait, I'm not sure if he said anything about not wanting to do that again. Well, I think but, he did yeah. his obligation. He's like, I'm going to finish my Guardian story. I'm going to give you the Guardians Christmas special, but you know, you, you could, you should have had my back. The, the chuds were trying to get me ousted, but you didn't. You took the easy thing. So I think he's like friendly with Kevin Feige uh, in the sense that, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, we both respect each other. We both know this was bullshit, but at the same time, he doesn't trust the machinations that be at uh, Disney. And, Ke- and, you know, even Kevin Feige himself, uh, it feels like, um, you know, there, there have been times where he almost walked away. Yeah. So, like, I think um, the, the so something I noticed with, uh, the difference between Thor Ragnarok and Love and Thunder was the loss of the main writer, uh, which was a guy that I like a lot. He did a lot of episodes of uh, Avengers um, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And like uh, while I was watching Earth's Mightiest Heroes, I was like, God damn, this dude's good. Like, oh, you, I got to get this guy in movies. Yost, right? Yes. D- D- was it David Yost? I think his name is. I, I Christopher Yost. Yost. Christopher Yost, Chris Yost, yeah, and like I was so glad. Like all of a sudden, like um, I blink and like, whoa, he's in Ragnarok, and and bo- and like he was doing a uh, Mandalorian, and then like that's the big difference between Ragnarok and Love and Thunder. There's no Yost on the Love and Thunder, and I almost feel like I, I don't. I feel like Taika, Taika also doesn't like uh, working with Disney. Like I said, like I'm, I'm glad everybody else started noticing after. Uh, Love and Thunder, because like I said, like I, I listened to the commentary track on Ragnarok, and like I couldn't take it. I was mad. <laughs> I turned off. Why was it so? And why then, like, it make you mad? Oh, like uh, like um, I, I said this before, like where like me and like a good movie. I want my makeout session with the director, and we're gonna like have like, wine and listen to them for a night. And like you know, you usually get into like their lives and what they love. Like the James Gunn one for uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Two is mag fucking magnificent. I, I love that so much. So then, like, I'm like, woo, I can't wait to experience this with Taika Waititi. I can tell he likes Flash Gordon. And it was shit. Like, all, he didn't do any insights or <laughs> what he loves. He, like, barely talked about what was on the screen. Um, and only made jokes about stuff that was on the screen. Like, it was like he didn't care. And then, like, um, yeah. Have you also, seen like, any of his other work? That totally isn't <laughs> character for him. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I guess, like, uh, I wonder what his commentary, like, is on stuff that's not Disney. 
that would be interesting. Yeah, uh, probably um, a lot more involved. I, I feel like his mm-hmm. heart is in those movies, while the Disney is just a paycheck. Um, and then, yeah, like the Red Leader Media guys even saw it where with uh, with Love and Thunder, they're like checking like his like interviews and stuff. They're like, "What? This guy doesn't seem to sh- give a shit about his movie." And yeah, like I almost feel like he. That's why everyone hated it. He didn't want. To, he didn't care. And oh, the reason why I think a lot of creatives are not having fun anymore is because. Uh, they're not making their own thing. They're making Kevin Feige's thing. Like, like if they want to do something crazy or fun or an idea, and no, you're you're doing Kevin Feige's story. So it's not really doing their own creative stuff. Well, like it's like waste of time. Well, maybe you know why you know why Yost wasn't on the writing staff for Love and Thunder, right? No, I don't. He was the creator and showrunner for the Cowboy Bebop live action series on Netflix. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh no! Say my boy! So. My boy! No! Oh, my golden yeah, boy! That's where he was. <laughs> well, uh, he, yeah, yeah, he was one of the showrunners for the live action. Can't win them all. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Uh, well, uh, you know, you tried. I'll just assume that the forces that be were too great for it, or maybe it wasn't the best match of person to material. Oh, no, that one, that one still stinks a lot of studio interference because there's so much legacy. We need to have as many references to the original anime shoved in here as possible, even if it doesn't actually make sense or if it degrades the entire product. And, and there then also, are... you can't have tragic women anymore. They also have to be powerful. So that the beautiful poetry of Spike and, and his love uh, can't happen because she's now a, a, a crime boss. She's a, she's a more badass boss. than being bad guy. I'm like, oh, come, guys, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> the vic- yeah, I liked how vic- how not vicious vicious was for that. <laughs> That's what killed the entire series because vicious was vicious in the original show. Uh, I mean, there 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 are a lot of there's a lot of decent material in that show. It's just it's just the certain amount of level of not quite there for the entire run. It's just frustrating. <laughs> yeah, for me, like uh, remaking a masterpiece. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, I don't need to do that. Like, this guy. Like guys, we got this other person, and they've repainted the Mona Lisa. Like, um, I don't care. I, I, I'm not sure why you guys are doing that. Like, redoing Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, uh, like uh, the the best quote I saw about like adaptations and like like that is, don't remake something. Make something else as mm-hmm. significant. So like, right. I would have loved just you know a good space cowboy, maybe in the same universe even. But yeah. Yeah, well, you know, nostalgia sells. It's the way all the, it's the way you get kids in the theaters and get them watching your streams. It's mm-hmm. What brings Brand, in the money, man? Recognizable brands brings butts and seats uh, theoretically. Well, what's, That's why we're seeing Andor instead of <laughs> anything else in the fucking Star Wars universe. Well, um, what's interesting now, though, is like um, I'd say like this is like the best time for James Gunn and the DC universe to have a reboot. It feels like Marvel's kind of fumbling and imploding on itself. Um, there are too mm-hmm. many projects, not enough Kevin Feige to go around. Too many external forces that are basically kind of like um, bending to the DC, the Marvel universe to what didn't work before. And uh, just out of curiosity, uh, you know, this is a whole other big can of worms. So, uh, but the what did you guys think of She-Hulk? Um, should I go for? I'll go first. <laughs> yeah, go for uh, it. Unfortunately, it's forgettable garbage uh, and spam <laughs> and like, like oh, oh and, and also the problems I'm seeing with this stuff is that like I can see they're 
they're doing it underneath a gigantic crunch schedule that like it seems like they don't have time to just flesh out and figure out okay wait let's do this and like i can see like they gotta get this shot done they gotta get this episode in the can we gotta go to the next episode because the next series is coming they can't just go wait slow down okay let's see how she can fit into the unit. No, no, no. We're doing a sitcom and it's Alan McBeal and now it's over. Like, oh, okay. All right, guys. So that was my experience with She-Hulk. Uh, it sounds about apt. Uh, MJ, do you have slots or can I go into a little bit of a rant? Um, don't watch that series if you want to have any idea or proper framework of a narrative. It <laughs> yeah. really wasn't much of a narrative. I mean, even the last episode, it's like, Narrative? What freaking narrative? Middle fingers to the narrative. We're just going to break the fourth wall. We're going to do whatever the hell they want, which is fun. And fun is pretty much the modest operandi of the entire series. Problem is, it was such a waste of Tatiana Maslany, which I was afraid of from the get-go, and they did it with flying colors. Were some of the side characters fun? Yeah. Was some of the storylines fun? Yeah. Were there a lot of funny jokes? Sure. And Madison and Wong, I'm still shipping them. That was <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> However, come on, try a little harder. Just try. Genuinely give a shit about what you're putting on the screen. Don't just yeah. vomit it on the screen. Expect people are going to be like, yes, sir, may another. I will say that I have several several friends who are quote-unquote casuals that did enjoy it. It's That's just, fine. It, uh, if it gets them into it, sure. But good Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I gave I, like my friend. Uh, he's really into music, so I gave him a good conversation of like. So once upon a time, I didn't know what the problem was with, with uh, Limp Biscuit. I thought they were really good back then, and like I enjoyed them very much. But all my friends who were into music, like you, thought it was shit, and that's how it's with uh, She Hulk. Like I'm really into comics and stories, and and that was uh, that was like yeah, it was like a McDonald's meal. Like that was very colorful, and and like and like I guess it, it tasted kind of good. Was gone and like there's nothing to go back to at all. You have to remember the limp biscuit analogy from now on. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, was I was I the only person who liked them back then? I, I I will admit I did buy and listen to their first two records. I right. could not buy anything called hot dog flavored or the <laughs> hot, was it the chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water. I think that was the name of their third record. Uh, no, no, not buying anything with no. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you listen to it now instead of being you know, a meat-headed 20-year-old like I was when they came out? Yes, that's not kid stuff. That's not good. <laughs> they they were right. It's right there with Nickelbacks. Just, why did I listen to this shit? <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Alright, so here's 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 my, my rant about She-Hulk. Now, not as angry at it as the Chudiverse was, like the Affront. I mm-hmm. think there were, there were things to enjoy about it. I think, like, the Daredevil episode felt like the uh, raison d'etre of, like, what the show should have been consistently. I enjoyed the cameos. I like re- reusing Abomination. I love, like, going into the dumpster bin of the Marvel Universe. I even enjoyed the, uh, whatchamacallit, um, the... Uh, Wrecking Crew? Yeah, no, the Wrecking Crew sucked. Um, the, the, <laughs> that, that was just a waste. Um, um, but I even enjoyed the therapy scene with Manator and all the like, uh, you know, C list. That was yeah, that was a fun episode. Yeah, yeah, those elements are fun, but like, it's a show that's not it's not a great comedy. It is a few chuckles, but like, um, it's not a, it's a terrible legal show uh, made by mm-hmm. people who admitted that they couldn't do legal shows. So I don't know why you couldn't get like one consultant or writer. Uh, oh yeah, like the Daredevil episode when they nerfed her on the um, negligence. Yeah. Against the her uh, fashion designer, yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy who designed the costumes, like, 
how are you going to bring a case against somebody when you didn't check to see if your client read the fucking manual? That is one-on-one. It's just like, (laughs) you can find the rules, like, there are plenty of legal comedies that made it work, I don't know, there's an interesting video by the Legal Eagle where he goes into it and how, like, it it feels like it was a show written by people who watch legal shows, but have no idea how any of this shit works, and just, like, have just random jargon. Uh, And I am the biggest mark for, um, whatchamacallit, um, metafiction and fourth wall breaks, I love that shit, but Jesus Christ, that last episode wall break where uh, you have the Kevin Feige bot and then at that point it's like what you had that right after she got revenge porn like haven't all the fucking blogs told me that revenge porn is like one of the worst things you can do in our modern culture it is like one of the most degrading disgusting uh, horrible things that a man or you know anyone could do to a woman so so that, mm. that's some serious shit like, like you know you don't have like Deadpool like having a scene from deliverance and then just transitioning back to deadpool yeah they did oh yeah they played it for a gag it it is just and the show even like plays it like pretty straight where it's like you know she's finally given into her rage and i'm thinking oh wow you're going to some serious shit some serious dark shit about uh you know women's legitimate trauma um whatchamacallit uh the world punishing them for trying to seek out sort of justice and vengeance against people who wronged them through the powers of social media and technology uh oh this kind of got dark (laughs) what does it open with an homage to the Lou Ferrigno Hulk thing, which was actually pretty well done, but why is it here? And they also now made Doomcock more famous than he has ever been. <laughs> I, okay, like, I, I'm, I'm, I actually am a fan of uh, certain parts of the Phantom Menace. Like, I enjoy uh, Critical Drinker, Mauler, and whatnot. I watched Doomcock, and I, he wore me out fast. <laughs> his, his stick is uh, very obnoxious, and I can't tell why he's still going, like, who who out there is like I can't wait to hear that again. You know, <laughs> like, people in the Shutterverse they like uh, having things uh, you know told to them again and again. The critical drinker is able to like actually like articulate his criticisms a bit better and do better good faith criticism. And then you have Doomcock who's just like uh, MCU, oh Kathleen Kennedy, oh tone of voice and like yeah they they put him on freaking international television for the planet to see. And like, guys, fuck, fuck it, god damn it! Like, if why do you care about someone? Yeah, uh, my my main thing that makes me mad is how much they care about people they don't like. They made an, an they spent millions to hate people they don't like instead of doing a She Hulk show that could contain things they love. Yeah, yeah. Two episodes were just uh, reply to twitters or tweets. That's oh, all it was. Oh Jesus Christ! And Titania is easily the worst MCU villain of all time. It's, it's, it, 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 it is actually like a pretty good competition, but like we don't know where she comes from. We don't know what her powers are. She, she's just there to be like kind of bitchy, but like <laughs> she's just there. <laughs> she uh, just, yeah, I don't know about that yellow jacket in the first Ant Man movie. I would argue it'd be. He, he's up there. Uh, like I'd say, the top three are Yellow Jacket, uh, the the CGI monster from Eternals, and, and Titania. I, I think, and, and well, Whiplash is okay, but I, I think they are all in the top running for like most forgettable. Oh, Malak the Dark Elf, he, he also gets a nod. Um, but uh, all the four- well, he was underwritten to be fair, but yeah. I'll, I'll say the difference though is each of those mattered in their movie in their stories. Like uh, it has been pointed out that if you snip out Titania from everything. 
the story doesn't change, right? No, no, it doesn't. She's, she's, she's not even the main bad guy. She's not the, and she she just keeps showing up. And that's it. <laughs> keeps showing up. And that that, that, oh. that the whole thing with the meta fiction where she talks. Okay, that's a funny idea. She talks to Kevin, but like, what's real? What isn't? Did did the, the what you would call did the revenge porn thing actually happen? Uh, I guess so. But like, is Emil Blonsky? Did he know that he was like doing that thing? You you spent a lot of time trying to rehabilitate him, and I actually thought it was kind of funny. I like the idea of like, oh, I'm a soft spoken abomination. You know, occasionally I transform, but I never hurt anyone anymore. And but like. The, they try and make him seem like he's malicious, but you're not quite sure. Did he know we, or is he just like a generic speaker? And then he's sort of like punished and gets go gets to go back to jail. Like what counts and what doesn't, especially since and this then, is supposed to be a canon story. Yeah. The um, meta also going on with uh, Kevin bot versus uh, a she Hulk. Um, I'm kind of wondering how much of that is an indication of like how they felt working with Kevin Feige. Uh, because like there's a moment where she goes, um, will I be in an Avengers movie? And Kevin's like, no. <laughs> like, I, it almost felt like they like knew that they're like, okay, this is like a one-time thing. We aren't going to get more money to do this again. And yeah, I'm not sure if she'll be truly integrated into the MCU or not. It's hard to say. Like, I, I imagine that they would do it in like, you know, just for fan points. And I think, you know, Tatiana Maslany does a good job. I think she's a good, mm-hmm. very talented actress and does her she's best. Fantastic. Just to, you know, um, I, I thought she did fantastic and I hope she manages to find something else from here. But like, mm-hmm. uh, she Hulk just seemed like the, uh, you know, I hate this term MCU, uh, you know, from the Chudiverse. Yes. The fan I don't like the term either, but they're doing like the pattern is there. They are really doing this all for and over again and, and like the idea is like you know to bring it back to the original uh you know topic that like you know good old-fashioned black adam's got all that red-blooded masculinity of violence and mm-hmm. nobility and heroism and, and is james gunn going to be able to lean into that because this is the time this is the n- problem from god the whatchamacallit um <laughs> Marvel is the House Targaryen just before the House of the, you know, the Dance of the Dragons, uh, almost ready to tear itself apart. <laughs> and, you know, are, are you going to slip in and take advantage of this shit? Um, or even can they? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I mean, the thing, the, there's also the other part of is, uh, is this superhero stuff, I was going to say, is it running its course? And then I guess, can remember that last Spider Man movie made all the money in the universe so never mind forget it there's always room for you need like probably four or five failures before like um if marvel put out like three or four or five movies in a row that like made only like 300 million dollars then you can Mm. make that argument but as long as they're still like you know dr strange like crossed a billion uh thor love and thunder made 800 million it wasn't quite a billion but it still made a shit ton of money yeah um until we get to that threshold where the the 200 million dollar movies are only making like you know 300 uh box office that's when we could say it but until then and that happens i I still think it's still viable and still fair game then you know chances are uh, unless brian coogler really fucked something up with wakanda forever that'll be another billion dollar hit yeah the, the the first thing that comes to my mind when it comes to James Gunn and what he can do with uh, DC is Lobo. Like a James Gunn <laughs> Lobo movie is like just one to one. Like the universe needs that to happen. That is yeah, but they wasted Jason Momoa's Aquaman. He yep. should have been Lobo. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the universe shall never forgive this sin. That <laughs> Jason Momoa is.
Hey, you guys still there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Uh, Keith cut out for a second, uh, so I don't know if they, he had a hiccup in his internet. Keith? Oh, uh, I'm here. Okay. Um, so you were talking about, you, you were talking about Jason Momoa and uh, you know and not being used as Lobo. Yeah, and I just saw my uh, Wi-Fi kind of flicker, and let me so there you close go. out my... It's our... It, your internet. You're the culprit. Yeah. We found you, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Got it. And also, like, I saw my... Uh, Speaking my, of James, my yeah. team kind of <laughs> Steam kind of flickered, too. So anyway, sorry about that. Um, yeah, I... Oh, and, you're uh, running Steam in the background. That's why you're having problems. You motherfucker. Yeah. It's my bad, my bad. <laughs> We're good now. All right, We're so, good. so finish, you get into your line of thought. Um, where did you guys end off for me? Because I, I did actually. So we were. It's Momoa's Lobo and the total loss opportunity. Oh yeah, I was saying like it'd be funny if like you know they cast him as Lobo anyway and just not say anything. <laughs> just like it's <laughs> never, never ever brought up that they're the same actor at all. Like I, there's no wink, there's no like uh, oh, Easter egg. It's just like that, that, that. You know the funniest part would be just to have other characters saying you look really familiar. You you look like <laughs> I've seen you somewhere. No, no, I'm I'm the main man. It's, it's just too good for them to pass up. It'd be cool. James, or if you randomly call somebody a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> James Gunn might do that. Uh, he still might. The question is, is like, um, now that he's like overseeing. God, can you imagine a James Gunn Lobo movie? Oh, oh that would be so good. <laughs> well, the yeah, question sorry. is, is he going to like, just kind of keep on doing like self-contained shit or is he going to like try and build a cohesive universe? I feel like uh, unless there's a vision, they're, they're just going to abandon the cohesive universe thing and then use uh, mm. black Adam and maybe, um, uh, the flash, flash. The flash is like the soft reboot that it was supposed to be. Well, one does wonder what all the reshoots that they're doing with, uh, Ezra Miller, how that's going to turn out now, whenever it does come out. Suppose I think it was officially mentioned that Ezra Miller's like game replaced, right? No, no, he's still in it. Uh, mm. It was funny. There was a camp. I think it's contingent on him getting help, or th- that they get help. Okay, because like I thought, I thought it was like official. Like by this end, by the end of this last movie, they're like, "You are out of here." My Please. my implication is, I think what they're going to do is they're going to put the movie out because uh, it tests well. Supposedly, it's good. Uh, and, and then they're just going to dump them like a sack, or dump them as a sack of a sack mm-hmm. of bricks, uh, and then uh, leave them. Wally West, Wally West, Wally West, Wally West. He's going to get uh, what's the current Flash's name? Uh, Wally West, or um, what was the Golden Age? Oh my God, Flash's name. Uh, uh, brain fart. Why am I forgetting? He, he was in the. Yeah, I used to, I watched the TV show and. His name I heard all the time. It's Greg Scott, but that's Green Lantern. Barry Allen. (laughs) That's the actor. Barry Allen. Yes. No, that's who Ezra Miller is now. Is Barry? Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. That's what Barry Allen. I was trying to think of Barry Allen. Jay Garrick. Nope, nope. I'm thinking Barry Allen, and I'm thinking that uh, I think they're going to give him the ending that we saw in Crisis for Barry Allen, where he runs so fast that like his skin explodes off his body and. I think he's going to be the sacrifice for the reboot. So, so they're going to give Ezra Miller the Crisis on Infinite Earths end and yep. bring in Wally. I don't see why that. they wouldn't. Like, it's perfect. Like, they want the reboot. That's how it was done. They want him gone. Uh, it's an honorable send off. Yeah, he, they, they don't. Uh, I guess that makes sense because they didn't really get into the Speed Force too much until Wally West was Flash in the comics. So, I guess that would mm-hmm. track. Yeah, um. Tracks. 
that, that doesn't Let's see. Sort of make sense. Uh, I mean, James, I'm surprised James Gunn took it on because you know the man. It just, it's not an enviable position, um, and I, I wouldn't want to fucking deal with that. Uh, try and find the, the right line for the Ezra Miller shit. Uh, that's fair. probably why Zaslav has taken the lead on that one. I, I get the feeling that's kind of Zaslav's pet project. While they, he tries to get in uh, Gunn and Saffron to take over everything else and start trying to write the ship into whatever creature is going to be moving forward. Very curious as to like how, like I want to know what they're going to do with Superman. Like, I think that's going to be like their start of like trying to write the ship. Their first thing that James Gunn is going to do is likely Superman. And how do you make Superman good in the present day? Cause no one's been able to su- successfully do it in a way that anyone besides me loved. Uh, and what they're uh, going to do with Batman moving forward, too, because, I mean, Robert so? Pattinson's Batman is going to be its own self-contained thing, and everything I've heard so far, they're going to be maintaining that, so then it comes back to who's going to be Batman in the primary timeline with uh, Henry Cavill's Superman. I saw a recent rumor, and that's all it is, that they're done with that Batman. The with Batman. Pattinson's? Yep. That's what oh, I, I thought- saw recently. Oh, I, th- I thought they greenlit a sequel to that, but it wasn't going to be going to production for at least another year or two, and they were going to try and maintain it as its own separate thing. But I, I guess we'll find out when we find out. Wonder, because like I can see them letting it go. Like, are you I, are you guys excited about more of that Batman and that Batman world? If they go into the Court of Owls, I would like Ooh, to see somebody fun. go into that. That's not the Gotham series from Fox, because as much as I appreciated that series. I like to see him actually do the Court of Owls with balls. I mean, actually be a serious through and through threat. As much as it was in the comics, too. I mean, go total Scott Snyder with it. Gotcha. And then I'm looking at the news, and like uh, the latest update is that 2025 is what they're looking at. So looks like we're getting more. Well, and plus, they're not going to run away from that because they've got the Colin Farrell Penguin series that they're going to be putting on HBO Max, and you know his character is spinning out of the Batman. So I can't really see them running away from that property too fast. I am hearing about this now. That there's going to be a Penguin TV series. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, just like there's a Dune's Sisterhood of uh, yes. Sisterhood show coming out, too, that they announced at the same time that Denis Villeneuve's uh, first movie was going into production. So that's finally hmm. going to be coming out, too. That I understand, because I want, like, I would like, I, I feel like any Dune fan or sci-fi fan would like to know that corner of the universe. I've never heard a single person ever say they wanted the Penguin story. Yeah, I was not impressed with that version of the Penguin film. Like, hey, what are you doing here? Like, oh my god, we're in the pits of Brooklyn hell. Great. Thank you, guys. I, I thought it was incredible when I found out later that it was Colin Farrell, like, he disappeared into that role, so... Props for that. That is pretty impressive. But As badly like, written as it was, yeah. You like good on you, Colin. You like the the method acting uh, behind it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so how, here's an interesting question, though. How many um, of these like movies do you think he'll write and direct? Or uh, like, there's only so many hours in a day, and I imagine like James Gunn will maybe his talent will be like he'll do what Kevin Feige does. Get people like uh, what's uh, Walt? Uh, who's the guy who did the DC animated Bruce Tim? Yeah, he'll he'll get Bruce Tim and people like that chances to like really uh, work in the 
relegated. Uh oh. Yeah, you're coming in and out for us. You're cutting in and out, man. I think I think maybe we should take a break. Um, uh, yeah, I apologize. Uh, if, uh, we should probably hear you hear that that rant again. But you're cutting in and out. Are you guys hearing me right now? Yeah, I can hear you. Isaac, Isaac? You got us. Boom. Oh, well, I guess we're being forced into a quick break. Yeah, I'm going to stop the recording, and we cannot hear you guys. We're going to stop recording for a second, and then we're going to finish up the podcast on the other side, just to make sure we don't lose too much audio. We'll be right back. We're back. And we're back. Uh, sorry about the uh, technical uh, whatnot. We're phasing in and out of reality, but we're here to finish up our geekery. Um how about some final thoughts on uh, She-Hulk? Uh, Isaac. Um, so She-Hulk just kind of antagonized its audience. And like, I feel like there's only so many times you can do it before it starts hitting your bottom line. The narrative is that it was successful. And oh boy, oh boy, I cannot wait to get into the House of the Dragon versus uh, uh, Game of yes. Thrones. Because that's going to be the ultimate debating about how you do it right. How do you get people to assert diversity uh, and... Uh, you know, you, you tell a good story, you get people engaged, and then they won't mind. But when you don't come up short, as I was talking about the, the Sarah Z, the Sarah sacrificial trash off the uh, recording, her mm-hmm. interesting video, uh, if you antagonize people and you don't bring it, then I, I don't think you deserve a pass. I, I think you deserve what you get. Yep. Um, that uh, not, not to get too far into it, but exactly what Brings Apart did. Brings Apart asked for all the smoke, and they could not back it up. That, that was the like yeah. the smartest thing that like the I, I don't want to get too into it, but I, I just want all right two thoughts. Um, one, uh, House of the Dragon stuck with its guns; it didn't antagonize it. They're like we're confident in our incest dreads that you'll like them, and ultimately uh, the incest dreads wound up serving the core storyline, and people got on board. They did advertise like they're going to be like. Rings of Power, though. Um, a they little did bit. Hate- initially, there was a little bit. I feel like towards the the launch, they kind of uh, stopped it and mm-hmm. shut up. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it did pull back, but like I was like I was in. I I, I um the the advertising was so typical of like you know, and if you don't like this, you're gonna be a sexist piece of shit. And I was like, oh fucking god! Like so, um, because even uh, House of the Dragon did do that at first episode. I didn't like it because I was looking through it through the colored glasses of thinking that they were going to do some bullshit. But like I kept on watching and like, I think like the dialogue just started seeping through into my soul. And I was like, wait, 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 this is good. Wait, wait, I haven't taken a picture yet or stopped because I'm engaged in the story. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So they brought it like, they don't need to talk shit. They don't need to fight the fans. Because they just made a good show, so, so anyway, we'll, we'll save that. Oh boy, yes. that's gonna be a there, fun yeah. This is fun. I'm I'm doing lots of research on these shows so I can really bring it. So this is gonna, this is gonna be fun. Just remember, there's no substitute for genuinely giving a shit. There you go. <laughs> that, that that is the mantra of this podcast. It's tagline official. The tagline on official token for you. Yep. Um. In 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 uh, the Discord Void Cat, uh, Sabrina, you're the one who made that. So thank yep. you. There's no. That's one of my favorite doing. quotes from Four Hosts. Yep. <laughs> oh, that was in Four Hosts. Yep. Never mind. Uh, not never mind. Anyway, great so, quote so, so, and goes so far. Like 
Yeah, because like I, I really did think, and like a long time ago, I was like, nah, man. Like Disney has enough money. You can buy. You can buy. Uh, genuinely giving a shit. You you can purchase it, and it so far it can't be purchased. Nah, that's what we've seen. Um, so I guess uh, MJ, any final thoughts with She Hulk? And I guess the big question is: Is this a big moment where the DC strikes back? James Gunn and Saffron have their work cut out for them. Good luck. But as far as <laughs> She Hulk really helping MCU through it, uh, at least Cousin Larry showed up. Yay! <laughs> I was hell happy that Mark Lynn Baker was playing was playing Jennifer's dad. That was so awesome. He was cool. I was I was totally waiting for Belky to show up and they did the dance of joy. I'm like, okay, that's just elevated the show <laughs> to legendary. One thing of praise I will give to She-Hulk. I, you know, some people were like, they ruined Matt Murdock. I'm like, no, this is actually yep. a perfect. D- I was totally in character for him. Yeah, yep. uh, yeah, and, and like this was like another side. This was like the more playful, swashbuckling, suave, uh, you know, uh, debonair playboy quality of him. Uh, so it was perfectly in character, and I think uh, Charlie Cox did a fantastic job. And not I sure think- about not sure about going back to the Silver Age era Daredevil outfit color scheme, but <laughs> I kind of like okay. it. I, I, okay. I, I, I like um, ugly costumes like that. Well, I like it when you do an ugly costume. And you, you totally don't mind. You don't. You like. You're totally bought into it. So I kind of like the yellow and orange because it's offensive to me. I, there's, I'm weird like that. But it's still missing the one key element of Daredevil's costume: the DD on his chest. Oh, they, it they still are not doing that. Oh, yeah, that is. That is that is. Uh, I, I like uh, symbols on the chest, and yes, the DD is really good too. Weird that they wouldn't do that. That's like a you could sell T-shirts. That's that's money in the bank right there. I guess hoping when they get to born again that they're gonna revert to the red outfit and they put the DD on his chest and be like, okay, now it's Daredevil. All right. Even though his Black Ninja outfit from the Netflix series is still the best. (laughs) The best. People love that outfit, the the, the black uh, pantsuit ninja. Hell yeah. Just gives a damn point. He's here to kick ass and. Oh, names? Forget it. Whatever. Yeah. Um, also, uh, really quick, I also want to add how much I love Tatiana Baslani. Yes. Uh, I did you not like that show. Black. You I've been so for years. I will. I will. Because like, Good. I really like as much as like I did. She Hulk. Um, she every time like the her skill. Like I could see a lot of skill and, and heart. And like I really hope that. Um, this kicks her up into like stardom. Like I, I want to, I hope like enough people in Hollywood were, like, wait, who's that? And that she gets like a legit movie of her own and that she gets a bigger fan base. Cause she's got some mad talent. She's really good. Well, Orphan black is supposed to be getting a revival series in the near future here. So maybe this, this will spring or that'll springboard off this and good Orphan black will get up there along with tatiana maslani's name up in the mainstream and she'll get the recognition that she really deserves hell yeah and yeah i'll yeah Orphan black i'll get there i'll get there um what's next on our, our list of uh what not to talk about i think that covers the headlines Oh, uh, one other little uh, caveat I, I do think it's really it's really funny that like um whatchamacallit um uh, Henry Cavill was recently announced as leaving oh. The Witcher, uh, and then there's also that thing about like you know we we didn't really like writing it, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Henry Cavill, yeah. good on you for being a, such a good sport. Uh, was The Witcher any good? I watched one episode and I was just like, this feels like baby like Netflix. This feels like Game of Thrones slathered with all the things that make Netflix things kind of unsufferable. I first didn't season like it. was. Eh, um, I haven't watched it since first season. Oh, okay. I I, I felt like it was me because like I watched it and to me everything on the screen looked like it was a great production and I didn't like it. Um, I, I I so I felt like oh there's some maybe it's just me and maybe it's just didn't for me or something like that. But yeah, I was not having fun with it. Oh, and I think uh, it was uh, something that wasn't just me. It was like how they're getting way too clever with their timeline um, where they just kind of mix so much up that you couldn't follow like where you're supposed to be in the story. I heard a lot of people had problems with that. So yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think it has its fans and it, like I said, to me at a glance, it looks like it's supposed to be good. It's just not for me. I keep meaning to go back to second season. Cause I know a lot of people that did keep watching it through second season and supposedly got better. It's like, I don't know if I cared enough about first season. I actually give it that chance. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like wheels of time on Amazon. It's like, okay, there's <laughs> enough there. I might still be interested in giving another chance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I don't know. And also, yeah, it was, goes back to the thing where I was like, Ugh, it seems like they're buying my time. And like, I want to use my time on things. I like, <laughs> like they, they keep on filling the, the, the waves up with so much of, and here's the next wheel of time. And here's the next Lord of the Rings. Here's, Next Star Wars. Here's next MCU. I'm just like, guys, I need a break. I'm going to read a book instead. You guys keep pumping it out, but like, yeah, if they could just take a break, I'd very much appreciate it. So we'll, we'll see if James Gunn is the secret sauce who manages to figure it out. And one final note about James Gunn, though, is um, I liked Peacemaker. I know you didn't like it because it t- took the superhero stuff not seriously, but I think yep. mostly uh, he did the character writing really well. He had built the good teamwork really well. The only complaint I have is that, like, as, as I was telling you in chat, um, I think the two threads of, like, the evil white supremacist and the moth invasion oh. didn't really coalesce and felt like two separate shows. And I feel like the white supremacist sh- felt with felt more in line with like the kind of low stakes low uh key uh, vibe of peacemaker more than the moths and the moths felt a little too similar to starro uh so th- that was my mm-hmm. my only mm-hmm. complaint of the show yeah uh i want i because i'm a james gun disciple i will not uh um take my critiques to be uh to i don't know like I, James Gunn, I, I, when I saw Peacemaker, I saw everyone on the screen, everything about that seemed like everyone involved was, was having a great time, time of lives, and I don't want them to not do that. So I'm okay with me not liking it so long as they're having fun, and if people liked it, I just want James Gunn to keep working. So uh, I'm okay with not liking it. And, and James Gunn got a wife out of it. So Yep. Good on James. Good wait, man. wait, wait! How did he get a wife? Uh, what's the good? Uh, Jennifer Holland, who plays Amelia, uh, he, he, her, and uh, Gunn started dating during the production of Peacemaker, and now they're married. Ooh! <laughs> and she actually showed up as Amelia in, half, in Black Adam when they brought Black Adam to the uh, black Black Ops site to uh, put him in cold storage. Oh shit! I missed that. Uh, wait, yep. she's the same character. Yep, that was Amelia <gasps> again. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh wow! Okay, something's going on here. They're actually uh, making a cohesive uh, universe a little bit there. 
Well, yeah, because she didn't piss off Argus at the end of Peacemaker like uh, uh, Waller's daughter did. All right. You, you did. Oh wait, did, you did watch Peacemaker all the way through to the yes. end, right? Yes, it okay. Okay, I was like, oh wait, did I just spoil it? Shit. Yeah, I'll, I'll, okay. <laughs> uh, like my friend uh, said about uh, uh, Jean-Luc Picard, I'll watch anything shitty if it makes uh, Patrick Stewart happy. <laughs> and I'll watch anything James Gunn makes if he's happy doing it, so yeah. Sorry, I'm you're just reminding me of why I'm going to watch Picard season three. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's shit, but I hate you can myself. sell Patrick Stewart's happy. And I'm like, alright, Patrick Stewart, whatever you do, man. Like, you get a, you get a free pass, basically. <laughs> For anything you do. The only reason I'm going to watch Picard Season 3, just real quick, is I just want to see the TNG crew just have fun and just make fun of the fact that they're being paid to do this again. That's the only reason I'm watching Season 3. Yeah. <laughs> watch the TNG crew phone it in. Okay, uh, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Give them money. They deserve it. I don't care if they just, like, if the whole series is them, like, catching oh, up around just- after the absurdity of season two, I'm like, I will gladly watch the original crew just fuck around for a whole season after the <laughs> brain wreck that was season two. Picard was, I had a good time hate watching it. That was a great hate watch. Like, I had legit fun. And I liked watching them fuck up really hard. Yeah, uh, unlike Disco- Discovery, I don't have that much fun. Uh, we don't talk about Discovery. But yeah, it just. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't know why I'm looking forward to watching shitty shit and knowing it's shitty shit, but I am more than happy to watch that shitty shit. I hate <laughs> for this. Do we want to finish up with what we've been geeking on and recommendations? Sure. Or anything else we get? All right. Yeah, let's do some geeking. MJ, what you been geeking on? Okay, geeking on. Might as well just change it to the corner of the universe where Matthew does the cinematic walk of shame because I keep putting myself through these runs of movies to finally get them... Which we off love of my embarrassment about. list, yes. And the first one up was the Rocky movies. I'd never seen a one of them in the first Damn. 42 years of my life. I saw all eight of them in the last month or so. What'd you see? Oh, that was awesome. I'm really glad I did it. Um, yeah. I, I can see why they're legendary, why pop culture it's such a pop culture touchstone with all of them. And I'm actually kind of surprised I didn't hate Rocky Five. I actually think the hate for that movie might be a little too much as plot's a little, I mean, the whole promise of it's a little forced, and uh. I've been getting shit ever since that movie came out, because I love it. I love, uh, and like, uh, Rocky V for me, like, uh, I'm a martial art fight fan, and to me, boxing, until I learned how boxing works through Hajime no Ippo, I thought boxing was the most boring fight I've ever seen. But now I get it. Now I'm having more fun. But like, uh, they did straight up like awesome street fights in five, and I had a lot of fun watching that. And like the sun training, it was it was so good. Oh, I but, don't understand why Rocky would have given Polly any responsibility whatsoever. I did not like Polly's character <laughs> at all through the entire series. <laughs> that racist, belligerent piece of shit. And yep. Rock, of course, I understand why Rocky had to keep him around because you know he was his brother-in-law, but still, just gross oh. pile of shit. I, I and, and then. I like it because he's. I kind of like the what I don't like about him. And I honestly actually kind of enjoyed seeing the character arc for Adrian throughout the entire series too, because you know she was such you know the mousy little pet yeah. store worker at the beginning of the series, and then by Rocky Five, she is the ass kicking lady from Philly you don't want to mess with. Mm-hmm. Like yes, at, awesome. yeah. At some point, I think we should definitely consider doing a podcast just on the all seven or eight Rocky movies. Maybe after Creed Two comes or Creed Three comes out. 
I wouldn't. Yeah, like the Rocky movies. Like I, I've watched them all on a whim for some reason, and it was just like an incredible journey of like life. Like you got to like walk through like where you were in life for that year, and also you're kind of it feels yeah, it really feels like you're walking with uh, Sylvester Alone. Stallone yeah. and like yeah, watching his life. And uh, do you did you guys watch that uh, documentary he did on? Uh, remaking rocky four i'm i'm, I'm I, like five minutes in i i still gotta find the time to watch the rest of it but it's, it's really interesting so far yeah that you was my favorite thing i watched is, that year it's actually better than the rocky versus drago cut of rocky four i'm sorry to admit but um uh, yeah yeah. That, yeah that documentary was fantastic and it's free on youtube so yes and um just the the, the, the i really like i i'm not sure if it's a spoiler but i loved he like um when uh, Creed went down in Rocky Four, that hurt like every black fan. All like I remember, my dad was like, "Oh, there it always happens." And oh, like, Stallone admitted that in the documentary. Yes, he was <laughs> like, "I should have done it. I'm really sorry." He turned toward the camera and said, "He, he apologized to the actor, and he's like, I shouldn't have killed you off. I am so sorry. That was a big mistake.'" I'm like, "Oh, sorry. I yeah, love sorry, him." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I, and the thing is, is there really is no worst, worst movie in the entire series. There's, I mean, the first Rockies, you know, ab- you know, the cut above the, the OG, mm-hmm. but there's a very close gap between the rest of them. I mean, I didn't expect Creed, the two Creed movies to be that great. In fact, they were yeah. better than most of the other Rocky movies. The Creed, the, oh, yeah. the Creed movies, I will like the one take, I will always like, you know, uh, want to maul, you know, go into like a bear fight with a critical drinker is his take on Creed, which I think he's Me 100% too. He's wrong. wrong. He's 100% wrong. Creed is a fantastic yeah. movie. And for all these like kind of like diversity movies, like Creed should be the example. That's the playbook. That's how you do it right. That's how you respect yep. the franchise. That's how you incorporate someone else's culture that feels organic uh, and it's a perfect extension. Uh, it's a great arc, and, and the scene where Sylvester Stallone like wants to commit suicide—that that, that's completely mm. earned. Oh my god, I love that moment. Oh, I teared up. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you see this man lose everything. It's like life keeps on punching him down. He loses his wife. He loses his family. He loses Adrian, and he's just the sad gamook who's like putting a little uh, what you call it, chair in front of a tree as he's still like going to the wife, the only woman he ever loved. Oh. It's so beautiful it's so tragic and it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense and the fact that michael b jordan was the only one who to get him out of it oh yeah yeah like uh, the critical drinker is projecting like a motherfucker like when i was watching i was like whoa dude like critical drinkers on point like he he rarely misses but when he started talking about creed i was like whoa dude uh-oh like i think he's been hurt too many times like he he, he thought he was seeing what we always see and I get yeah. why that, like, I do that sometimes, but it's yeah, Critical Drinker, not that one. Not that one. That one, you were 100% wrong. Creed is a fantastic movie. It is easily, like, maybe the second best Rocky movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, Creed is so, so fucking, it's like a perfect movie. Yep. I'm looking forward to the third one now that I'm finally all caught up. <laughs> the, the most amazing, but, uh, well, here, MJ, I told the story to Keith, but you want to hear how I, I got my Rocky education? Oh, the um, Elmo. All right. Oh, yeah. I told you both. Uh, all right. So you both heard it. I, I forgot. That refresh, I refresh really quick. <laughs> uh, like, 
Uh, one minute refresh. What, okay, uh, Alamo Draft House. Yeah, so Alamo Draft House is this great movie theater. I highly recommend it if you ever have one in your area or you ever find one. It's like one of those dine-in movie theaters. It is the ultimate mecca for movie fans. Uh, they have thirty-minute curated pre-shows for every single fucking movie with like weird internet shorts, director interviews, trivia, just to get you hyped up for that movie. They will kick you out if you text during the movie. It is a strictly no text uh, movie theater. Um, they're very strict about the, the sanctity of movie theater, um, uh, and they also have like. Lots of um, uh, events and uh, old. They show old movies from like the 1950s, B House, Grindhouse movies. Uh, and one thing they did is they had like a 12 hour Rocky marathon where they showed all seven Rocky movies back to back. And I and you did that. Yeah, I did that, and it was fucking God amazing, damn, dude. And uh, you know, the, I've always been curious about it. And I dragged a friend to it, and it was like one of my favorite movie going experiences of all time. I ate so many Philly cheesesteaks. I wanted to punch the air. That uh, I felt like so in tune with the character. My my general curiosity to Rocky it became a hundred percent adoration because I'm not a sports guy. I'm not a sports movie guy, but Rocky sold me. It is anime. It is shown in anime. It is life. Um, you know, you could argue that maybe the same movies, the same shit but it is watching a man's life and career unfold and it works so well together. Even Rocky five, which I still don't like had like interesting elements of Rocky, like, you know, losing his, um, his physicality, uh, because, you know, boxing is one of the most dangerous sports. It's anime because anime, uh, borrows from it so much. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I yeah, the, the, I, I'm glad that you got Rocky educated and you loved it as uh, much as I loved learn to love it. Uh, MJ. No, I truly understand why I, the tiger is one of the greatest pump up songs of all time. It's like, <laughs> why does everybody love the song so much? Like, okay, now I get it. But, uh, uh yeah. Yeah, but even uh, looking through it, I was kind of interested to find all the uh, karate kid connections with this series. Because uh, John Avildsen, the guy who directed all three of the, the uh, Daniel LaRusso Karate Kid movies, directed the first and the fifth movie in the series. Oh, that then, I don't um, remember. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, apparently uh, in the mid-90s, after the next Karate Kid was made, um, a screenwriter tried to get uh, Avildsen and Ralph Macho together and try to do a crossover Ooh, between Karate oh Kid God, and Rocky. Boy. And I guess the general plot was that uh, Daniel and Rocky, their kids were total screw-ups, and Rocky, and then Rocky and Daniel teamed up to try to train their kids up and get their crap together, and like, they're proposing this <laughs> in the mid-90s? What? Um, yes, <laughs> yes, all of this. I, I, it, it, I, yeah, it does sound awkward, and um, I'm not sure if that's a great idea, but I want, it, I want to see that they live in the same universe and train together. And maybe exchange like ideas on like fighting, like incorporating boxing into my martial arts. That would be heaven on earth to me. All right, what else have you been geeking on? Um, and the other part is what I've been deciding to celebrate the month of October with, with catching up on all the horror movies that I've been meaning to watch for well over a decade, and it's been quite a little plateful. Um, John Carter's first Halloween movie I've never mm-hmm. seen before. The first Friday the Thirteenth. John Carpenter's The Thing. Ooh, I the love original. The Thing. Yeah, yeah, I never saw it before. That ending's a little frustrating, but that's okay. Because, um, really, seriously, how how does... Um, God, what the hell was uh, Kurt Russell's na- character's name in that movie? That uh, was, um, McCready? McCready, thank you. How does McCready still not have a plan in place to blow himself up at the end, just in case he might actually be infected, and he is not aware of it? It's like... <laughs> but, anyway... Um, the original Amityville horror adaptation with uh, Margot Kidder and James Brolin. 
That was eh. but uh I rewatched Jennifer's body too, by the way, Keith. And you know that meme that went around about five or six years ago about watching something so bad that you start getting Forrest Whitaker eye? <laughs> so it wasn't good? It's very dated. It's right. very of the time and a lot of the joke. I mean, there are a lot of great zingers in there. Mm-hmm. Yes. But Diablo Cody, who also wrote Juno, which yeah. is a movie I actually like, that that was a misstep for her, total. Uh, and Megan Fox has her dramatic range of a walnut, and it was really <laughs> hard. Yes. I, just, I mean, because I, I I don't understand the fandom behind Megan Fox. Just everybody just turns into a total boner around her, and it's like not me. I, I can't. For me, I can't yeah. She, for, yeah, for me with Megan uh, Fox, I've always can. Uh, I don't want. I, uh, I I I no longer want to join on, on the dog pile on her, but like. Uh, I found her to be generically hot, and I thought, like, oh, that's all people wanted. But, yeah, when I saw Jennifer's body, for me, uh, suddenly she was an actual character actress, and, like, I was having uh, Evil Dead 2-type fun from it. And that's, like, the kind of feel I got off it. I'd have been happy if I'd gotten that off of it, and I just... Mm. (laughs) Thank you for trying again, though. I've never seen it. I mean, I know it's reputation. uh, It's kind of had this, like, it was kind of a bomb when it released, but now it's kind of had this, like, lesbian cult classic, and, like, this is the ultimate movie about uh, female friendships. And it didn't do well when it released. I wouldn't even call that the ultimate female friendship movie. It's just... (laughs) Frenemy. Type stuff. But a very early Chris, uh, that was one of the earliest movies with Chris Pratt in it, which I was kind of surprised. And Lance oh, Henderson whoa. shows up at the end of it. I'm like, no, Lance. <laughs> yeah, don't remember don't. those two at all. Yeah, they both show up in it. And, Thank and, you for giving and, you the shot, though. In the scene at the beginning of the movie where the bar burns down when the Satanist band is up there, it was like, mm-hmm. okay, this is a little too on the nose. Because you remember that big uh, fire that the Rhode, I- Rhode Island um, club that Great yeah. White was playing at, and so many mm-hmm. people died this Jeffers body came out like four or five years after that happened. I'm like, come on, you mm. guys, it's a little too on the nose. Uh, I get, yeah, for me, all I remember is like uh, that line, good for cutting boxes. And yeah, yeah, that was a great, I love one liners. And like, I feel like we don't get good ones anymore. And then I remember the shot of running up to the showdown in her prom dress. I just, I had so much fun in that movie. So, but yeah, you gave it an honest shot. I appreciate it. Maybe I was too sober for it. I don't know. No, anyway, I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I, I think I think maybe it just doesn't hit. Uh, let's see, Guillermo del Guillermo. Yeah, can't speak. Guillermo del Toro's uh, Crimson Peak. Been meaning to see that for about oh, me too. Six years. That's actually a decent movie. It's not one of uh, del Toro's better stories, but vis- you know, visually, it's still just as stunning. Uh, Peter Jackson's The Frighteners. I'd never seen that <laughs> until the last week, That's and I am. So sorry, I never did. It's Peter Jackson and his Peter Jackson best. It was great. I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of his uh, other old original movies like Bad Taste or uh, Dead Alive. Dead Alive and Frighteners. Frighteners, I I also... That one I don't get. Uh, one of my best friends swore by it. He, he made an event for us to watch it together. And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, that's great. It's pretty good. good. It's but, such a fun movie. It's great. Yeah. It, it gets lots of love. I I don't. Uh, I think it's really good. I, no, no, here, here. I I feel guilty that I don't love it. Therefore, I keep on trying to act like I do, and I I apologize because I see once again when I see the effort in front of me, I do want to be in on it. This one just didn't click for me. 
Uh, I guess it's not helped. bad. I guess it helps that it had the primer of his other movies, because if you've ever seen Meet the Feebles, you'd wonder how this guy ever got a job in Hollywood ever. <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to see Meet the Feebles, but I did see Dead or Alive. It is kind of amazing that he, he, he managed to go mainstream. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I I remember seeing uh, Dead Alive, and I was like, yeah, this guy's got one movie, and that's it, so good luck. And then he made the greatest of all time. Uh, let's see, then Adrian Lenz, Jacob's Ladder. I've been meaning to watch that for the better part of 15 years. I finally saw that. That's a mind fuck. I loved it. Um, the original Fright Night, that was a fun movie. Yes, love that movie. Uh, still got, uh, now I need to see the uh, remake from 2011 with what's his nuts in it. Colin Farrell and um, uh, the doctor that everybody loves so much. Uh, David Tennant. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and really see. quickly, one more time, though. You said Crimson Peak, Crimson Peak was only okay? Yeah, I, I, I've heard from a lot of people. It's like, oh, it's so fantastic, so fantastic. I'm like, yeah. it's okay. He's done better. That's what I heard. I was looking forward to that. A lot one. of people like really kind of uh, wanted to love uh, Crimson Peak, but they were just kind of like, uh, you know, ah, this is mid-tier Del Toro. Hmm. Yeah, but he, then, but, uh, he, let's see here. but he does have his cabinet of curiosities out on Netflix right now. Yeah, I gotta give that a spin at some point too. I, I mean, I usually I usually try to make time for Del Toro no matter what, and that one, yeah, maybe for uh, reason. Uh, the original Night of the Living Dead. Never seen that before. Seen that one? All right. Um, definitely a very 1968 movie. Um, Robert Eggers' The Witch, which yeah, I, I've. Kind of wish I'd seen that first before I saw the um, oh. before I saw the Northman in the Lighthouse because he's quickly becoming one of my favorite directors. He's him and Ari Aster are kind of in the same hemisphere with each other as far as how they write and approach movies, which has been kind of trippy. And Alex Garland is kind of trying to sneak in on their vibe as well. But, uh, that was a trippy movie. And oh, hold on, be right back. Yeah. Um. I will say that uh, The Witch is some... I'm probably going to watch that tonight. Uh, have you watched any of that director's stuff yet, Isaac? Uh, sadly, I need to watch The Witch. I hear he's like one of the new greats. The Witch is supposed to be fantastic. Yes. The Lightest House is supposed to be fantastic. The Northman yes. is supposed to be fantastic. Uh, yes. It's one of those things where I feel like... But I guess the problem is that they're real movies. You need a focused attention span, so it's kind of better yes. to have like someone you're watching them with. Because uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have the awful habit, which I'm, you know, oh, you get distracted. Oh, I've got this food. Oh, I ran out of food. I'm, I'm going to dick around on my phone and be ADD. Uh, so it's like one of those things where it's like, um, I, I, you know, it's on the hit list. I know I need to see it. I know it's like cinema. It's art. Uh, but I haven't seen any of his work yet. But I, I, I know it's a, of the highest caliber. To the credit, to its credit, like um, I'm also very distraction oriented while watching things, and um, I've been noticing like if you if you like uh, sit down to watch something like you know pretty genuinely good, like Northman, um, yeah, the distractions stop. Like it was, it felt really good. Like I haven't, it was, it's been, it felt like it's been a while since I experienced that much engagement in a movie. And like I was watching North, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I, I, I felt something that I haven't been feeling for a while in like lots of movies. So yeah, well, you, know, I, I, you know the story behind the Northman was right. Uh, no. Oh, I, I thought you watched uh, Eggers' uh, commentary. Started, on it. but I didn't finish it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, the story for the Northman is actually based on a Norse uh, folk tale that uh, Hamlet was based off of. Um, that Shakespeare, and that Shakespeare actually took inspiration from. 
And I saw that he definitely uh, worked a good amount of uh, noticeable Conan up in his story, and I loved that. Oh, yeah, the big showdown in the volcano at the end? Yes. The, or how he got his Atlantean sword, same oh, way yeah. like Conan okay. did. Ah, yeah, that, that movie was so good. Uh, let's All see. Right. Uh, let's see, the, pur- the first purge with Ethan Hawke and Lena Headey, that was an interesting experience, mercifully short. I hear the, se- the um, second purge is like the movie that kind of like brought, made it into a cultural phenomenon versus uh, the first purge, which was, uh, you know, kind of an okay, not that great of a movie. Oh, the second one's even better. The second one is like where it became. The second one is where it became uh, noteworthy enough to be featured in Rick and Morty. Hmm. If, if that makes sense. Hmm. Oh, now Rick and Morty is a social barometer. All right, all right. Uh, let's see. Then X was X was a decent slasher movie. If you guys hadn't seen that one, uh, let's see. In uh, James Wan's *Malignant*. Oh, yeah, that, was, <laughs> that was wacky. Okay, that, James that, Wan is a fun guy. That was his. Uh, that was his Aquaman. Do whatever the fuck you want. Uh, you know, contribution. <laughs> Very much. The acting and the score could have been a lot better, but that premise. I'll, I'll give him credit for the premise. That was not what I was expecting. But uh, the probably the most interesting one, and the one from left field that I watched last night was uh, Buried, which is a movie from twelve years ago that Ryan Reynolds did. Oh my god! Yeah, I can't unfeel that. <laughs> movie oh you've uh, seen that one? Oh yeah i did <laughs> back yeah. in like when netflix was ma- mailing dvds Ugh. yeah that yeah. ending jesus christ yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh dear <laughs> yeah um, uh, i was just sitting there watching going no no fuck no fuck you fuck yeah, yeah. man <laughs> uh yeah i think it's like our, our our tone is the spoiler uh I don't know yeah. what, what you want to say it, without straight up spoiling it, but like I don't know, like does it matter? Like at this point in time, or no, I, 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 I encourage people if they want to right, watch a movie right. that's because the only actor you see on screen the entire time is Ryan Reynolds in you a coffin think, underground, right? And you wouldn't think that that premise would carry on for an hour and a half movie, but it works. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, it, the only gripe I have against that movie is the score might have been a little too over dramatic for what they were doing, but god damn. Yeah, I was I was thinking, how are you gonna do an entire movie just within the coffin? They did it. They fucking did it. Yeah, and then I've got a couple more like the conjuring I'm gonna watch tonight and try to check all these off my list, but I just finally got tired of all these movies that people keep telling me, Oh, you haven't seen other I'm like fuck it, I'm gonna watch them. Probably the um, only one I Probably the only one I really want to go back and rewatch is Jacob's Ladder because that one, like I say, that's a total mind fuck, but it's a trip. Uh, have you done the Chucky verse yet? I've seen the very first Chucky. I have not watched any of the other ones, and I know you've been geeking pretty hard on that one and watching the series after you caught up on all the movies, and yes. it, it does look fun. Yes, <laughs> can't recommend it highly enough. That's what I'll be geeking on once. Uh, this is my turn. But yeah, other than that, um, actually, this the did pose a question I wanted to pose to the two of you. What are the three creepiest moments of movies you've ever seen? I have one. Uh, uh, I haven't. I, uh-huh. I, surprisingly, I actually 
Now, this one got me really uncomfortable just because it, like, hit into a phobia that, like, I have. Uh, the scene in Hostel where he slices the tendons, that was, like, really, oh, I was, like, sweating profusely. I felt like I was going to vomit. I had to walk out of the theater, and I was just so perturbed by it. It just, like, got me in a level, like, you know, I think every one of us has, like, a physical squeamish thing where you kind of imagine it being done to you, and it just disgusts you so much that, like, maybe it's eye stuff, maybe it's finger stuff, maybe it's cutting off toes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one did it for me. Ooh, I'm right with you there. The, the when they did that to uh, the old man in the the first Pemet Cemetery movie, yeah, that, that was the exact same thing. Yeah. When the kid took the scalpel to his, ah. yeah, you, you you physically scream. <laughs> no, no, um, I got, I got two. Uh, if, to I got two of them to piggyback, piggyback off of what will make you squirm. Have you guys seen Bone Tomahawk? I've no. heard good things about it. I hear it has like a few famous war scenes. Yeah. So if you ever watch Bone Tomahawk, be ready to be changed for the rest of your life. Uh, unfortunately, wow. you can't unsee the one kill they do. And I can't. Yeah, that's that's permanent. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, it was funny. Like um, the Red Letter Media guys, when they brought it up, you just saw Mike's eyes like glaze over. And he's just said, oh, Oh dear. And yeah. So be be prepared. Be prepared. That was the worst death I've ever seen in a movie. Um yeah. So then, wow. and then like just creepy was uh <laughs> Blair Witch Project fucked me up so hard. So bad. Like um oh, the final scene. Yeah, that final shot, the kid in the corner. Like I didn't go to bed Josh? that night. For Josh? the first time yeah. a movie that was the first time a movie ever did that to me in my entire life, where it got me so hard that I didn't sleep that night. I watched a a fan uh, sub VHS tape of Dragon Ball Z all night <laughs> and wait until the sun came up. I even had my sword next to me. I was at my mom's house. Oh, and I remember this. Anyway, yeah, it was a terrible, uh, scary thing. So those are my two. Yeah, my, uh, I had three. Uh, the first one that really left a mark on me and hasn't really affected me since was uh, the puking girl from The Sixth Sense when he's hiding in the... <sighs> Yeah. Blanket fort, and she he turns around with the light, and she's just there. And he's like, oh my god, I, I I saw that when I was eighteen years old. I'm like, oh god, I'm eighteen years old, and I don't want to turn the lights off. Jesus <laughs> that was that was a good one, but probably the most affecting one that I've seen in the last ten years was uh, Tony Collette's character crawling across the ceiling in the dark corner towards the end of Hereditary. Mm. God, to this day, I still kind of question whether or not I should turn the lights off because whenever that fucking scene pops into my mind, like. Jesus Christ! Look out for Tony Collette. Um, I, I'll, uh, my third one is similar to the Sixth Sense one, but it would be the Grudge, uh, where they do the, the the most mean jump scare in a movie that's ever been done, which was like they flash to that uh, destroyed girl in the closet and they cut back away before your brain can register what you actually saw, so that the image in your brain explodes into way worse than it actually was, and like that that seared my brain so oh the girl in the closet yeah yes god was, was that the grudge or the ring maybe it was the ring this is the ring. the ring i'm pretty okay. sure it's the ring that i was I gonna can't... ask are you talking about the grudge or juan or oh uh, the american <laughs> it was the ring yeah. in uh okay. american version the giant, the japanese version of the ring was fine it didn't actually scare me i liked it but yeah then the, the third one is the original uh final quarter of the original cut of Paranormal Activity before DreamWorks bought it out and they changed oh. the ending and released it to the theaters. The, 
whole part at the end where the demon's getting to both the uh, uh, two characters' names. I'm spacing on the fucking characters' names. Micah hey, and uh, what the hell's her name? Anyway, when the when she finds Micah, you know, dead, and then she's calling out for Micah, and then the cops come running in the house. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was the original ending, because originally that was just a $15,000 fan production for film school, and then it just started getting grassroots movement behind it, and finally got bought up by DreamWorks and released For me, that was the less scary one, and preferred, and also, that would be maybe the third or second movie that made me have hard time sleeping, like, the, the, the ending where the camera just lingers and nothing happens for so long, it killed me i had to fast forward i couldn't fucking take it like it was is like um the the technique of pulling back your fist and not hitting the person and just waiting for the the, the punch to come and i was just like just please just hit me already and i just fast forward until she got dragged out of her bed that ending fucked me up pretty bad and i was kind of amazed at that whole movie despite being a found footage movie and i Generally dislike found footage, found yeah, found footage movies, but that one actually kept me engaged the entire way. Was- yeah, and also while I was watching it, I was pretending to myself that I wasn't as scared as I ended up being. Because like I was like, nah, I'm not, I'm not falling for this one. You know, whatever. It's just found footage, and like, yeah, they it it slowly worked its way underneath my skin and got me pretty good. As opposed to Cloverfield, where you're yelling at them halfway through, drop the fucking <sighs> camera and run. <laughs> Yes. Just show me the monster, then I'm okay. But, yep. So that's what I'm geeking on. All right, Isaac, what have you been geeking on? Oh, boy. Do I have a list? Do I have a list? This has been a very, very good um, uh, past few months. So one I think you're going to share with you with uh, Keith is, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Broke the backboard on that oh one. Oh my god! In some ways, it's like worth to like talk about, but I feel like we talk about like ten minutes just because we, you know, oh, it's great, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, the Cyberpunk Edge Runners is what every little an adaptation so good managed to save the bleaguered game and get a second win. Mm-hmm. An adaptation that respects the source material, uses the music from the game, uses the stuff from the original, uh, you know, RPG, and is like very self conscious. Stands as its own piece of work. Is instantly iconic. I can't get that. You know, I want to stay at your house song out of my head. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm always been a fan of Hiromai Imaishi, uh, but he did a great job of like keeping his own style while also being tremendously respectful of the material. Uh, applying, we'll see. What else has he done? Uh, Kill La Kill, Gurren Lagan. Uh, he's the founder of Studio Trigger, Promare. Um, he, he, he's like one of the big ones in the anime world, um, anime mm-hmm. director world. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, what else? Uh, is he also is he fully cool? Uh, yeah, he. I think he he definitely had a hand in fully cool. He was like maybe like a line director. He didn't have like a full control, but he he was involved in fully cool as well. Yeah, that guy's a miss. That was I remember like the, seeing the hints that that it was coming. I was like, oh, okay, I rolled my eyes so hard. I was like, is this something that's like pretending to be anime so you can advertise your shitty game? Okay, okay, and then like um. This YouTuber who I don't get why he's popular uh, appeared on my feed, uh, Penguin Zero. Oh, uh, got long well, hair. He, oh, God, I can talk about it. Well, I'll give you. I'll, all he does is oh, talk. Right, so, he's really so good. I'll, I'll, but all he does. Well, is- I'll g- give you uh, something about Penguin Zero. Um, 
what makes him interesting, but we'll, we'll get back to Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Penguin Zero is yeah. like, uh, kind of like a personality based YouTuber who's just been doing it for a long time. So he's like one of the bigger ones, but he is like the content creator who all content creators aspire towards. He always manages to have a middle of the road position that doesn't piss off anyone. Uh, he manages to like be political without being political. Uh, he manages to like have his toes dipped into a number of thing. And most of his th- shit is just like, um, you know, uh, him just talking with his deadpan voice with the delivery but you know he's primarily a commentator i wouldn't say he's like a full reviewer but he does reviewers he's respected in the anime world he's respected in the video game world he's respected in the streaming world he's what every content creator wishes they could be someone who is able to do just about anything he wants and succeed at any he is the one of the highest things that is the hardest to gain in the content creation space but it is um you know charlie moist critical goes by many names um but he has the highest degree of respect and clout that you could ask for hmm. uh but, any, but yeah he popped up and he said uh yeah this uh edge runners it just slaps he says in his deadpan voice i was like what and like though he like i don't know who he is and yeah he is strangely that good even though it doesn't say he's trying hard but like he laid down such a good review i was like what the hell's going on over here so i just turned on it wasn't like one episode in i was like <gasps> whoa whoa like i haven't it's like the the animation, the style. Like I said, the way they introduced the uh, lead female character with the dancing light that coalesces into her hair. Oh, an- another <laughs> thing that you'd um, know him from, uh, he did the twins short uh, for the Star Wars Visions, if you remember that. Oh, brah! That might sound like really? one. Yeah. Uh, my Ishii. Uh, like I said, he's like the goat. He's one of the greatest in the anime sphere right now. Uh, and yeah, Edge Runners um, uh, might have been might be anime of the year if it wasn't for my next thing. But let's gush on Edge Runners a few <laughs> seconds more. Yeah, Edge Runners was perfect. Uh, perfect usage of the theme. Perfect use of the characters. Uh, the, the you know, oh, it has a Hispanic lead, and no one complained. It didn't antagonize the audience. It made the source material better. All spinoffs should want to be as good as edge runners so uh and when it talked about like the world and things in it you could tell that they actually existed in the game and they gave a shit that was yeah yeah it respected the lore of the game it respected all the iconography Mm -hmm. of the game it used it for its own story like like this is the case non grata what everyone should have tried to do in a transmedia thing you should all aspire because like i thought it was going to be dead on arrival i thought it was one of those things that was greenlit it was like yeah cyberpunk and and, and it was Mm -hmm. just forced to be put out there because like you know something very similar is like have you ever heard of like uh jupiter's legacy Yes. So that was a failed superhero show that supposedly cost $200 million and was supposed to be like a launch of like a Ooh. superhero universe based on Mark Miller's comic uh, for Netflix. Um, uh, it, it failed. It was a complete uh, died on the vine. But <laughs> there was an anime from like the director of Cowboy Bebop based in the universe what? called Super Crooks um, that oh came out on Netflix and nobody gave a shit. It just came and went and uh, it's not bad. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of watchable and fun, but it wasn't good enough to like give any, make anyone give a shit about the overall universe. Wait, they All put right. out an anime to, as an accompaniment to Jupiter's yes, Legacy? Yes, it's called Super Crooks. It takes place in the same universe uh, and they even have... I never <laughs> heard of that. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, and the director of Cowboy Bebop, because uh, like I remember, like I saw, I saw like the the name appear. And I just glanced at it and 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 I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I, I, like, I, yeah, because I, I watched all of Jupiter's Legacy and it was completely empty calories. I felt nothing at the end of it. I did 
there's nothing memorable at all about it, which is terrible because the production value was so damn high and it was actually pretty well cast, but I didn't care at the end. Yeah. It's like, the, was, this is the most useless waste of time I've ever had. Was Super Crooks good? Um, I, I've seen like 60 to 70%. I'd say it's pretty decent. Uh, like it's watchable, but it didn't have that quality where it's like I want to punch people and make you want to watch it. Uh, I'll, I'll link a trailer if you want to like look at it, but uh, it was just interesting to see this that thing is dead on arrival. I think it's better than it has. It's better than I'd expect, but it wasn't good enough to make me care if that makes sense. Right. <laughs> And, and a little like uh, obscure comic book uh, uh, knowledge here. Super Crooks looks like the comic book is Mark Millar and my uh, my arch enemy artist throughout all times since the nineties, Lionel Francis Yu. <laughs> Everybody loves Lionel Francis Yu. You're not that good, dude. Your your art's flat. It's scratchy looking and ugh. But like when he first hit the scene in the nineties, like like you're, oh, they're just he was falling over themselves, love with them, and and he's still at the game. So I, I'm. I appreciate that, like, my Arch Enemy uh, artist is still crushing it against my will. <laughs> yeah, so usually this shit is just, like, you know, gets thrown to the wolves, no one cares, but the Cyberpunk Egg Runners, fantastic, and I, and it's so nice when to see when something's good and people embrace, because I think one thing I've learned about myself is, like, I have two goals in life, my two reason detras mm-hmm. to make me happy. I like culture. I want to be in a position where I can either create culture or work for something that's a part of the culture. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. always fun to see something where, like, people are embracing on it, people are memeing with it, people are memeing and appreciating they're not memeing against it so it was really nice to see that happen with i you know uh, cyberpunk with people like yeah rebecca let's go get adam smasher revenge for rebecca yeah this is my david martinez mm-hmm. build you know things that got people excited so i, I always like that people saying choom yeah choom and gonk gonk head and i would say <laughs> it's the anime of the year if it wasn't for my second big th- recommendation which is of course the long awaited chainsaw. Yes! Yeah! <laughs> oh, God! It's so fucking good. I had high expectations, but the, it managed to completely blow them. Keith, fuck you for saying it's not for you. <laughs> I, you, you know, normally, normally. I'm, 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 I'm going to force myself to like it, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I, two and three. I love your. What were you saying? I'm in. I'm in. But your, your enthusiasm and like uh, across the geekosphere. People are, like, going nuts. So It's I'm good. You saw going. the first episode. You have a, Like, they, they knocked it out of the park. It was fantastic. It was edited perfectly. It has a fantastic score. And, oh, my God, that opening. That opening is so fucking fantastic. As a fan of Fujimoto's work, I could not have come up with anything better. I can't get it out of my head. When I watch it, I am happy. It is a cinephile's dream. I don't know if you noticed, but they were, like, it's basically all movie references. Uh, there's a reference uh-huh. to Jacob's Ladder in, the, in, the, in that opening scene in the opening uh song there's a rest there's a uh, reference to fr- attack of the fr- uh, killer tomatoes oh. there's a reference to pulp oh. fiction uh th- there's like 20 30 movie references there's even references to other manga that fujimoto's made it, it is just a glorious tribute to his love of cinema he is the the james gunn the quentin tarantino of manga an absolute genius and they took the time and care and they are just knocking it out of the park it is what brilliantly directed 
brilliantly executed film quality animation, uh, just the highest level I've seen in a long time from a studio that has been knocking it out of the park. Um, I had high expectations. It, it is so rare. It is such a blessing when something not only meets those high expectations, but blows them out of the goddamn water. And that is what Chainsaw Man has done, even with the first three episodes, which are like, not, that's not even like the great material. That's not even like the best of the best the series has to offer. And they are already doing it with like the early arc shit. And it, it is sad. It is beautiful. It is poignant. It is uh, also slows down, but also balls to the wall. It is immature, but also extremely funny, but also sort of like a, this underlying melancholy and sadness. And it captures the tone perfectly. The voice acting's on point. The OST is on point. And every single episode has its own super banger of an ED, which is, they've been amazing. The first one is amazing, Chainsaw Blood. The second one is more playful. And I cannot get the third ones out of my head. Demon in the name of devil. Demon <laughs> in the name of devil. Demon in the name of devil. I'm going to watch more tonight. Uh, I promise. To quote, and- to quote Tarantino, before you had my interest, now you have my attention. <laughs> yeah, I'm so- Damn, I am dude. so excited. I, it is just like it is perfect, yeah. uh, Keithy. I, I seem you like I, I can understand you might be a little put off by the gore, but a little bit. Uh, I mean, yes. um, but motherfucker, you saw like uh, so much gore in Game of Thrones. I know you cannot. This is not too much for you. I I I, I, I uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm giving it a try, man. I'm I'm in. Like I'm not. I will not tell anyone not to watch it. I didn't say it was bad. I'm just saying like. Maybe right now it's not what I want at this time, but it's not bad, and I'm going to give it more tries. Well, I, well, based on the standards we have established uh, in our discussion here, on a scale of bone tomahawk, <laughs> where's the gore? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the gore is more like Peter Jackson playful versus like really disturbing. Um, it's more. Oh, dead alive yeah, dead alive gore. gore. Uh, that, that's that, that's what I would compare it to. It's very playful. It's very gleeful. Um, kind of like uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to say it doesn't have dark moments because oh boy, does it have some gloriously wonderful dark moments. But uh, Fujimoto is yeah. the master of balancing. There's also fantastic comedy moments. And Keith, I cannot wait to see your Facebook post when you take your little screenshot and talk about it. Um, <laughs> and then and, the, and then the, the best thing is like if you if you say I'm right, then I'll I'll get all the endorphins and serotonins firing in my in my brain. Oh yeah, I'm right, I'm right. You motherfuckers, if you won't let me write in Marvel, at least th- this is what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna recommend shit and I'm gonna be validated. Ah <laughs> so left after this conversation, man, seriously. <laughs> But yeah, so Chainsaw Man, uh, I'm so excited to see it it, it become as good as it needed to be. Uh, Fuck all the haters. Fuck the people who whine about the CGI. The CGI is perfect. Mappa learned their lesson from Attack on Titan and their Titans. Uh, It is brilliantly directed, brilliantly executed. Um, It hits the perfect tone of slowing down when it needs to be, being introspective when it needs to be. It's so goddamn good. (laughs) <laughs> I hope my enthusiasm. I'm glad. I'm glad they they delivered. I hope you like. like I'll, I'll send you a link to um, after this is over for like just to give you an idea of like all the love in that opening. But did you like that opening, uh, mm-hmm. Keith? When you saw it in the first episode, I'm gonna watch it again tonight. I have, I have my buddy's coming over today, and like I want to watch it with another friend. 
and then let's revisit. Okay. Uh, well, if you watch it with a friend, there's three episodes out now. Um, new episodes come Tuesday. The three episode does make kind of like a perfect little mini movie because uh, it tells like a very complete arc. All right, then maybe I'll we'll crank some th- uh, three yeah, tonight. Uh, so I look forward to hearing what you think. And I guess the other thing I'm geeking on, uh, my th- oh god, I, I need to get food. <laughs> Everything's gonna close at like nine. Right. Uh, all right, I'll be so I'll be swift. Um, uh, Marvel Snap. Um, I, I didn't think I would li- like it uh, just because like I'm so sick of these Marvel mobile games where they just seem to shit them out uh, all the time. Where it's like Marvel Strike Force, Marvel Engagement, Marvel Avengers, blah blah blah. Ooh, collect your heroes, Michael transactions, level them up. Ooh, get a five star hero. It's too much. It's a wasteland of mobile gaming, which was supposed to be a dreamland, but it's I hate it. Um, but Marvel Snap was made what? by um, Ben Brode, the lead developer of Hearthstone. It's just really well designed. Um, it's really easy to learn, uh, and, and I'm, I just keep on winning, so it makes me feel like a Yu-Gi-Oh! master strategist um, where I feel like uh, I, I eventually I'm going to hit that pay-to-win wall where I just encounter people with better decks, but like everyone seems to like, because the way the game works is... Um, you have three spaces, and you have to put cards, and they have, like, attack power. And then uh, you, whoever has the most attack power wins the space. Uh, so you need to get two out of the three. And everyone just doesn't seem to, like, know how to, like, pivot. <laughs> but I'm very good at pivoting, so I, I just keep on winning. All right. Yeah, um, yeah, it's hard for me to connect to card games. So... uh, My friend plays Hearthstone, and he has played for years. So... Yeah, I guess with Marvel, it sounds... Uh, uh, it, well, well I'd cool. say it's well, really well designed. Uh, matches only take, like, mm-hmm. uh, three minutes. Uh, it gets rid of a lot of the flack from, like, Magic and Hearthstone that make them hard to get into. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's surprisingly addictive. All right. Anything uh, else? That's it. Uh, l- let me know you're a geek, and then i got to put in an order for some Pad Thai. All right. Uh, let's see. I will say that... Um, uh, Doing the Chucky, I, I recommend doing the Chucky run. Um, it's similar to, it's similar and different to uh, uh, the uh, Rocky. Uh, you get to get like a slice of life of what the world and where the entertainment industry was at that time. Every movie, and to the surprise of everyone, uh, it's now a little bit of a spoiler, but the spoiler is that they keep the continuity going. Every time you watch a new Chucky movie, I think uh, everyone kept on expecting it to be a reboot or forget one of the movies. But every movie happens, and you're like, oh, shit. And then, like, there's just, like, an unexpected stinger at the end where you're like, whoa, they're back. And, yeah, um, the Chucky-verse is unexpectedly, I think, climbed to the top of my favorite of, like, the slasher guys. Like, I'll, I might put them above Freddy, Jason, and Michael Myers just through the consistency of how much fun I've had with that universe and him and hating him and the battles against him. So, highly recommend the TV series and the movie saga uh let's see and then um because i've been disappointed with fiction lately um i went to the far past i found a book called the black star passes uh i'm finishing up now it's fantastic it's a pulp sci-fi book from i think either 19 i think it's 1950s or 1930s well it's two but the most fun thing about it is that it's so deeply scientific but the astronomy they get aggressively wrong and it's beautiful <laughs> like um like you, you have like the smartest people on the planet talking about like 
how planets are formed and they don't know like they they think uh like the what i just read was like you know how planets are formed right well explain to me you see what happens is when two stars pass each other they form a flame bond a bridge and they break apart and that flame those are what planets turn into okay we all know that right i'm like no that's not oh wow but like from the genuine standpoint of these smart people who think they know how the universe works it's amazing and then like um the world building they crank up, which uh, goes from like uh, finding out that they can do anti gravity to exploring Venus, and like these battles that they have, where like on Venus uh, they ran to a city sized airplane propeller airplane and took it down like it was a shmup. Like a lot, a lot of the imagery of in this is like a lot of stuff I see in eighties anime and like the end, the, the, uh, the coincidence, it just can't be a coincidence. It's, it's kind of beautiful to see that, um, anime got it further back and like, you know, just seeing the connections of like through time and like the stuff I love today. Um, and then lastly, I will say, R R R. have you guys seen not it yet? yet, but it's, uh, I, I need to watch it. I, I keep on, uh, yeah, I definitely like, I, I've heard nothing but good things. It did it live up to that? I recommended that last episode, I think, or two episodes ago. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. Isn't it Um, awesome? Yes. That (laughs) was, that was a grand slam where like the bat explodes into, into fireworks and it shatters the sky when it hits. Oh my God. I had so much fun. Uh, it was so over the top and also like the bromance in it was, um, it filled my heart. I loved it so hard. Like they, they, they get so affectionate and loving toward each other in ways that like, yeah, like, like, yes, I, uh, I have no problem with homosexuality, whatever, but like, um, in America, yeah, you can't in, in Western entertainment, you cannot see men do that anymore. And unless you kind of nudge them into wink, wink, you know what this means. Instead, it's like, no, there's nudge, nudge, wink. There's, it's just like, no, they love each other. They fight next to each other. And it was just so uplifting and, so refreshing that, yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. Like, it, it, you, it, it, it's intimidating because you sit down and go, oh, three hours, Jesus Christ. But it goes by you, so fast. It's yep. so awesome. <laughs> I was never tired. I was never like too, dis- I wasn't distracted. And once it was over, I was like satisfied. It's like, just find that two hours, three hours, and it will fly. That was a fantastic movie. So, what do you think about the courtyard battle? Uh, um, <laughs> fantastic! I, I, I still have like uh, I, I I wouldn't say Indian music gets caught in my head often. This is I'm still hearing the ending theme, the dancing, and yeah, that movie's gonna live in me forever. I'm I'm glad that I got to be a part of it. And I hear uh, a another movie by the same director that starts with letter B that I can't pronounce. If you guys oh. know what it is, um, it's on Netflix. I hear it's even better, so <laughs> I can't wait oh. to go back. Yeah, that that guy has that the bat director has my allegiance. Um, I God bless him for making that movie. All right, that's what I've been geeking on. Um, Isaac, where can we find more of your work on the internet? One second, Keith. Uh, I'm ordering. Uh, no problem. Uh, we're, yeah, we're we're closing out. Where can we find more of your work on the internet? Uh, check shrimp. Shrimp. MJ, really quickly, where can we find you on the internet? That's it. Um, I'm, I'm now back on Twitter. So, hooray, just in time for Elon to buy it. Um, <laughs> so I am on all the socials. I can actually say that for once as MJ3342. Uh, 
All right, so uh, I'm back. Sorry about that. Uh, I wanted to get the order in before they close. No um, no, oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Hunger is a devil that we cannot no, run that from. That's true. Well, <laughs> very accurate. Um, you can find me at Lobster Magnet Review. Uh, check it out. I'm doing My Hero Month. Um, I got three videos out right now. The last one comes out next week. And I'm right now I'm in the midst of uh, editing a uh, new video about uh, dance of the, about the House of House of the Dragon about Viserys Targaryen. Cool. Cannot wait to see it. You can find me at Keith or at Keith Justice on Twitter and Instagram. You can find this podcast and more on popgeeks.com. Thank you all for listening. Geek out. Uh, hello, uh, what's going on? Is this the t- Boonsong tie?